0: Welcome to NoClip. I'm Chad Rediman. I'm JJ Artimas. And I'm Andy Ginnick. And today,
1: we're going to be talking about Pokemon.
2: (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Pokemon
1: was a game that was released in 1996, Pokemon Red and Green. 1998, Pokemon Red and Blue. 1998, Pokemon Stadium in Japan. 1999, Pokemon Pinball. 1999, Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Yellow. 2000, the Pokemon Trading Card Game, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Hey You Pikachu, Pokemon Puzzle League, Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, Pokemon Stadium 2 in 2001, Pokemon Crystal, 2003, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire, Pokemon Channel on the GameCube, Pokemon Coliseum starting in 2004. Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, the remakes of the first generation games, 2005's Pokemon Dash on the DS, 2005 also had Pokemon Emerald, Pokemon XD, Gale of Darkness, and then 2006 we have Pokemon Froze, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Red Rescue Team, and Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Blue Rescue Team, Pokemon Ranger, 2007 had Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, Pac- 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 Pokemon <laughs> Battle Revolution, 2008 has Pokemon Ranger, Shadows of Almia, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Explorers <laughs> of Time, Explorers of Darkness. 2009, Pokemon Platinum, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Explorers of Sky, Pokemon Rumble. 2010, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, uh, Poke Park Wii, Pikachu's Adventure, Pokemon Ranger, Guardian Signs. Uh, Pokemon <laughs> t- 2011, Pokemon Black and White. Pokemon Rumble Blast, in 2012, Poke Park 2, Wonders Beyond, Pokemon Conquest, Pokemon Black 2, and White 2, in, po- in 2013, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Gates to Infinity, Pokemon Rumble U, Pokemon X and Y, then 2014, we have Pokemon Battle Trosé, Pokemon Art Academy, Pokemon Omega <laughs> Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. Pokemon Shuffle, released in 2015, along with Pokemon Rumble World, Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, and Pokemon Picross, and then 2016, we had Great Detective Pikachu, Birth of a New Duo, Pokken Tournament, Pokemon Go, and finally, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, you can breathe now. You can breathe more than you Are would. there <laughs> <laughs> uh, any of those games uh, that you guys want to talk about today? Uh, Pokemon Picross. I like Pokemon. Uh, yeah,
3: I was gonna say, I was gonna <laughs> say, which is weird. Uh, I think it's called the grass. I
0: believe you're right.
3: Yeah. We thought you yeah. were just ignoring him and just going like, "Oh, I really like Pokemon," and then just pretending you did mention Pokemon, <laughs> <or to laughs> like <the cross>. Pokemon <laughs> Ranger Shadows of Albia or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so
0: the things I have learned from that list: a, XD Gale of Darkness was in retrospect a terrible name. Uh, really, oh yeah. Really bad decision on their book. Completely stands out from everything else they part. did. Uh, and two. Ever, apparently the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon series has gone for, like, a much more, like, intense theming and narrative than I ever gave it credit for. Yeah, uh, I think, honestly, um, the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon
1: series, we, uh, which I might as well just, like, get out of the way now, because we are not going to talk about it for even a second <laughs> longer, yep. yes. uh, is is at least, like... Modernly, like most people who like Pokemon, don't like that series. Like it's a very niche series, and it's sort of like a dungeon crawler, which is
2: mm-hmm.
1: really weird that it <laughs> exists at all.
0: But it's such a long-running series that like it has to have fans. I just don't know any of them. Nope, never nope. met any of them either. But yeah, so it was really difficult playing like six to eight games per day to completion in yeah, two weeks. It yeah. was yeah. so hard to get through all those games. I Both didn't think versions were of all fans. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) Really quick, in case I decide to cut all of that and put it somewhere else, Yes, uh, we're going to be talking about Pokemon as a a franchise, and we're definitely going to be focusing on the main series games, Um, and of course the series began in 1996 in Japan with Red and Green, and then uh, the current generation uh, just came out actually a couple of weeks ago uh, here in the States, which is... Pokemon Sun and Moon, which is the seventh generation of main games. Uh, yeah,
0: we have we have a lot to talk about today, in that. <laughs> yes. Um And even that list sort of like trims out many portions of the Pokemon multimedia empire that, in some respects, I do actually think are relevant to the success of the game. Not just from like a comorbidity standpoint, but I think. Like, in in many ways, for example, the fact that in the anime, they had the creatures, like, shout their names all the time. Right. Very interesting choice, like, uh, (laughs) creatively. Um, But They never actually carried over to the games themselves, though. Right, because it was sort of a weird, weird, tacky marketing move from the perspective of the original (laughs) game designers, but it's fine to us because we love them and grew up with them anyway.
3: Yeah, It does kind of feel like a very anime kind of thing, though shouting your name constantly? Yeah, I mean, like, in stuff like, you look at, like, Dragon Ball Z or things like that, they, like, yell the names of the attacks while they do them. Oh, yeah, And stuff like that. So maybe it wasn't a soulless marketing gimmick. (laughs) Maybe it was just a happy coincidence. (laughs) I mean, like,
1: stripping out all possible, like, nefariousness from it, uh, I imagine that the choice was made just to help people remember what the Pokemon were because... Yeah, because there's so many of yeah, them. Yeah, remembering 150 of anything is a difficult task. And yet we find ourselves capable of naming, like, any Pokemon we're shown a picture of. Right. Uh, That's his, what I meant by Historically, I know which Pokemon is green. <laughs> uh, this has been a long-running, established fact. Yeah, uh, that I know which Pokemon <laughs> is green. Uh, so I imagine that that helped, at least in, like my youth and shit. Well, but yeah, more importantly, though, I think the, the, the quote, the multimedia empire that is Pokemon <laughs> is largely propped up by the TV show, especially in the 90s, because the TV show, if I'm not mistaken, actually premiered in the U.S. before the first games were available. Correct. Right. So that has a lot to do with the success of the franchise in,
0: like, with its first generation. hmm Obviously, all of us have seen the Pokemon TV show or the Pokemon movie or the various other like non-game Pokemon media. But did either of you two actually were so like temporally in the Pokemon universe that you saw the show before you played the games? Where did you actually get marketed to in that fashion? Yeah,
3: I, I think so. I can remember. I don't remember how exactly it was introduced to me, but I remember like before the games came out, like having like like, things, like, clipped out of the newspaper that was, like, about Pokemon and, like, promoting it and stuff and, like, putting it in my binder and taking it to school. Jesus. And, like, looking at pictures of Pokemon. Like, so, like, I was already into it before it even came out. I've never... As a child. ...clipped anything from a newspaper. Oh, yeah. Ever. That's strange. (laughs) (laughs) Newspapers are sacred
1: and they're not to be defaced
0: (laughs) for any reason.
1: Uh, I recall... When I was a child, and, I mean, Pokemon came out in the States in 97, so uh, I would have been six years old at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I, I remember a time sitting at my dining room table, uh, com- like, I remember this so vividly because it's just so embarrassing, and I'm just going to put it out there on the internet so everybody knows. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, when I was very young, I remember uh, complaining to my mom that I, I needed to get a Game Boy and Pokemon. Otherwise, there was no way that I could become a Pokemon master, <laughs> which was, like, I guess my dream at the time. <laughs> and look, look where we are now. <laughs> You're in the room with a certifiable Pokemon master. Not certified, just certifi- certifiable. <laughs> you haven't gone through the paperwork. Yeah, someone could just certify me in theory. Uh... So that was a big deal, and I remember the, the first generation of Pokemon games, I put in days upon days, uh, and managed to get all 150 current Pokemon at the time. Hmm. I did all the glitches, did all the weird shit.
0: Oh, you were one of those kids. Yeah, I, like...
1: I
3: mined the shit out of that game. I really fell for the whole, it will corrupt your game cartridge bullshit that people always said. Well, it can, as long as you, if you don't, like, follow the proper precautions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so I I didn't really mess around with it. Personally. So, that's
1: Pokemon Generation 1. Do we want to actually start there, then?
0: Yes. I mean, just to get, because I feel like we've started... History sharing hour. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I don't actually remember my first encounter with the media at all, or even the games. Like Pokemon Blue was just a thing that predates my sense of time. Uh, so <laughs> it actually predates time itself. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I was never, I was never maddeningly into it. I remember I liked gold and silver when I was a kid, actually more than the original games. But I think that might have just been because I'm capable of remembering those feelings. There's a chance that there is walled off in my mind like an extremely happy five-year-old just going like... Like blue in his hand. Somehow not breaking a a Game Boy controller. But I think of the three, I can safely say that lifetime, I'm probably the least into Pokemon. But because I am a human being of roughly like in his 20s in the modern day, that means I'm still... Into it enough, right?
1: That yeah, that's it's almost unavoidable uh, if you played them as a kid to at least, to not have at least some form of nostalgia for them, uh, and it, it's a testament to how well the game can sort of like get its roots into you. Mm-hmm. It, it like even in its marketing slogan of "Gotta catch them all," that just breeds compulsion. <laughs> like you, you're like, I need like. You don't just, like, walk into a, into the tall grass and run into a Pokemon that you haven't caught yet and not try and catch it. Like, in other games, I can imagine bypassing something as optional as collecting everything. <laughs> easily. But Pokemon has... It, it's so much in the, like... Just in the fibers of the game's being to do that that it, it isn't a thing that you would even think to, to uh, skip see, over.
3: I don't have those feelings, I don't share those feelings, like, that aspect of the games has never appealed to me at all, and I've <laughs> never even tried to catch all the Pokemon in a Pokemon game. I've done it twice, but my I- implication is less that you
1: are, like, you Im- you have the impulse to go and actually collect all of them, but, like, you wouldn't skip an opportunity to get a new one in a game. Just because of how the game... Or are you saying that you would? You'd yeah. walk in and be like, oh, oh yeah.
3: Skarmory, I don't have one of those. Fuck it. And just, yeah. like, blast it. I usually, like, build, put together a team and then just level those up and only catch a Pokemon if I think it's, like, really cool. And I'll end up with, like, 20 Pokemon, maybe, tops. I feel like we're kind of starting on, like, the
0: second order of operations, that makes sense, here, in terms of the discussion, though. Like... Collecting is something that you do after you're bought into the value structure of the item. Like, I want to collect all the Pokemon because I give a shit about what Pokemon are. And if we're going to be talking about the first generation of games, I'm more curious knowing why any of us felt like collecting was something that we wanted to do in the first place. Because I do not buy into the belief at the Pokemon Company, just, like, discovered mind control in 1996 <laughs> and just successfully sort of programmed into got them, catch Catch'em All, like a weird command that we as youth were doomed to follow to the end of our it's days. It's the Bioshock
1: trigger phrase
0: <laughs> in the Pokemon series. Right. So, what do you guys think? Like, I, in the core of the first games, I was t- trying to think of what were the isolated reasons that it just latched on to the totality of culture forever? Why did it explode for the first
3: time, and why did we care about catching them? Uh, well, if we go back to the TV show predating the games in the States, I think that like helped a lot because there were Pokemon that you liked on the show and you wanted to have them. Did the show was the show that representative of all like 150 Pokemon? Like maybe not all of them, but it like, did have the a, okay, right. a decent <laughs> amount of them. Yeah, been, okay. So I mean, I'm saying that's a part of it. Continuing to dig, then it's not
0: like at least within my memory, the Pokemon that were sort of revealed to you within the context of the television show were in and of themselves, in the cases of most Pokemon, enough for you to really want to like. Own them and bond with them personally. Well,
3: and then they also I mean they show them doing cool things. It's like I feel like you you give you you present kids with these like cool designed monsters doing these cool and unique abilities, and then you're like you can catch them, like you can <laughs> essentially make them your pet. It, I did that's something I think that's really appealing to kids. I completely agree. It cuz yeah, there's a bit of a power fantasy there too. And also it's like you you make the you you make the Pokémon into characters on the show, which is just another way to like get kids to latch onto them even more. I don't know if you have a specific response to
1: that, but I think that that's definitely like a large part of what uh like the the show like, the, the anime got made me interested in the series. Playing the game and getting to the end of the game is what made me want to collect them all, which is, is mostly... It's, it feels so weird to say that <laughs> for some reason, uh, because I just feel like I'm marketing for Nintendo right now. Yeah. Uh, but after I, like after I finished the game, I just wanted to continue playing the game, and the game gives you this other goal that isn't Enforced in its systems in any way. Mm-hmm. That's just like, hey,
0: there's a bunch more of these things out there. Like, why not go oh, get them? I don't think it's fair to say it's not reinforced by the systems. I think, like, the link cable, for example, right. is pretty. And then the, the whole the division between the systems shows. That's
3: a completely optional, sold separately part of the game. I,
0: I agree, but I think it has a lot to do with the way that the game sort of intruded into the culture, because mm-hmm. they made explicitly part of the design and and, like, like the, phys- the physical objects that you did in the game forced you to go out and socialize with other people and talk mm-hmm. about the Pokemon. It wasn't... You, right. you were given an incentive to do things with your friends that really hadn't existed in games before that point. But going back to the thing that you said initially, though, when we were talking about how, like it Pokemon was the start of this like media empire approach that a lot of things sort of did not necessarily related to video games in the nineties, where you had this like weird cloud of interests that were all sort of intruding on different zones to try and like control the lifestyles of kids. I think if we're gonna want to talk about specifically the exceptional qualities of Pokemon and how it has become this crazy thing that every human being in the United States is forced to be aware of on, <laughs> like, pain of social expulsion? Like, what about... Why wasn't Pokemon Digimon? Like, I, I want, I, I'm i particularly interested in the things that aren't congruent between those two properties and their designs.
3: Um, I think... Well, Pokemon was first... Yeah, at least here. So I think that's you're always gonna have brand loyalty where people are like, I don't want to play Digimon because it's not Pokemon. But, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think
1: that the difference and like the reason for Digimon's failing as opposed to Pokemon's success is a lo- has a lot to do weirdly with the like we're, we're dealing with a classic hook them while they're young situation <laughs> because Pokemon has. And will always market to a very young audience. Yeah. And Digimon attempted to usurp that by targeting the teenage people who were still playing the Pokemon games, and that aesthetic just doesn't sit well with people, and it's much easier to market to, like, a huge group of small people and then work (laughs) up from there than it is to, like, target the edgy teenage kids. An attempt to make that relevant either younger or older. Like, there's nothing appealing about the edgy teenage culture to somebody in their 20s, and there's nothing appealing about it to people who are 8, either. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's a very specific market, and they went for it, and they hooked some of them, but I don't really know that anyone
3: still cares about Digimon today. And this might just be more my personal taste, but, like, it always... Digimon always felt like it was just a lower-quality product to me, where, like, it, stuff about it felt kind of lazy, like, where, like, all the the Digimon have, like, Digi in their name, and, like, they use a Digivice, and, like, they just use the word Digi in front of everything. Right. And then, like, I just... I don't think the designs of the characters are as good. There, aren't, there don't seem to be as many of them, or at least there weren't back then. It... I don't I I don't know. I always viewed it as like diet Pokemon. <laughs> That's a valid view as well, because like you can tell
1: the like amount of creativity and work that goes into designing Pokemon as opposed to Digimon, which were like, what if we had like a Velociraptor that was like small and they're like, Done, put it in. <laughs> anyway, okay. That's the main character. That's the mascot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glad we worked that one out. Yeah.
3: yeah, it it always felt like it was trying to cash in on Pokemon, like the popularity of Pokemon.
1: And I feel like there's no way... like we discussed on the uh, the the podcast about Resident Evil Seven and PT. Yeah. Where I mean, even if it wasn't RE Seven, looks like it's trying to mimic PT. Right. Even if it wasn't Digimon, seems like a no, like a like a knockoff of Pokemon. Right. Right.
3: And In the name to, like, at least to, like, to kids Mm. in America, they aren't going to know that it just, like, literally just means, like, digital monsters and it's a completely appropriate name. (laughs) Like, it just seems like it's a ripoff of the Pokemon
1: In fact, up until just now, I had never thought of it as anything other than just a ripoff of the Pokemon. (laughs) I just intrinsically associate the two in my mind and assume that Digimon is the lower quality version of it. (laughs) Well, I mean, it kind of is, right? Yeah. Uh, also, you would be, but uh, you might be potentially surprised to know that Digimon, as a series of games, is still a thing, and in fact, the most recent game in the series has come out to uh, pretty good reviews, actually.
2: <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: However, it is like creepy anime girl, like bordering on disgusting over-sexualization of like it's, its female, like, 14-year-old Like it's main almost character. like hentai. Or right, yeah. Or, or Whatever yeah. other weird Japanese na- words I'm pronouncing it
0: correctly. <laughs> Did not expect uh, Digimon to be quite that edgy. I yeah. never even thought of it as edgy prior to this conversation. Uh, well,
1: I mean, it's edgy in comparison to Pokemon, and now it's edgy Which in comparison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now it's like, edgy
3: in comparison
1: to good taste.
3: Digimon always tried to be like that like 90s like version of what what kids think is cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So fuck Digimon. We're talking about Pokemon. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about it, Pokemon
1: ripoffs. Yeah. You guys
3: remember Monster Rancher?
1: Yes. Dude, this came up not too long ago, and every time I've brought Monster Rancher up ever in my life, everyone has always gone, like,
3: oh man, it's been, like, years since I thought about Monster Rancher. But I think we, we looked it up, and it is also still an ongoing series. That's so strange. Somehow. I they were games, right? Yeah. They had, they had, and it had a had TV games. show as Okay. Well.
1: I just, the only thing I remember about it is, like, uh, a kid and, like, an orange cyclops.
3: Yeah, he he looked kind of like a comma that hopped around. He did, he did. (laughs) That's so weird. There was also one that was, like, a penguin that had, like, a shell. Like a green shell. This like. is... You've gone, to, you've gone to a second monster <laughs> in Monster Rancher.
1: I'm not going to be able to All remember. Right.
0: They never repeated their names as a,
1: as a man. Uh, this is the problem. we, we don't remember. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably just growled or, like, spoke English or something. Yeah, God, English-speaking monsters. Yeah. Shit. I think Digimon like talked, too. I don't care. And now Rotom.
0: No, that was care. And why do we... YouTube?
1: God, we don't care about any of these. But anyway, back
3: to Pokemon.
1: <laughs> uh, so... Man, it's going to be difficult to somehow transition this conversation.
0: Uh, (laughs) Just beat it like I did. Just punch it over and over again. Just yell make annoying noises until the podcast goes where you need it to go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: The first generation of Pokemon games, though, that uh, are basically what we're talking about here is its lasting influence and how it worked with other media and ended up. Spawning like a thousand things that are just like it. Uh, the The first generation games, honestly, are special.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not that special. than uh, a knife here. Okay. I know. <laughs> I feel like after the uh, the Pokemon Snap podcast, I don't. I feel like I can't ruin any more childhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first, I've, cause I because I replay the first. I know that Andy, you play
3: the first generation games, like, perennially. Like, it's a tradition. I was playing, I used to replay it every year, but I don't do that anymore. (laughs) It's probably maybe, like, every other year. Now. (laughs) I I replayed them
1: for the first time when the DS re-releases came out, Mm -hmm. and I'm, like, fairly convinced that they just are bad. Make your case. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I'm saying they're bad in comparison to other Pokemon games. Oh yeah, what? Like, so with yeah, well, I, I, sure, but that's not well, What's the yeah, went to that I comparison. Think... Because tons of sequels are worse than their originals, and Pokemon I think is a special case where the games literally just get better every single time. Like they've never dipped in quality.
3: I'll, I'll mostly agree with you.
1: Okay. <laughs> but the okay so the first yeah, game. I don't think
3: anyone would argue that the first games are the worst in the series. Oh,
1: so many people Well, will, okay, will right like, we're
3: not talking about stupid nostalgia blind Gen 1-ers. <laughs> But those are the people who are going to be listening to the podcast. Yeah, we're making so many enemies on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> right, okay, listen fine.
1: up, stupid nostalgia blind <laughs> Gen 1ers. <laughs> you know what the worst thing in the world is? Uh bag item limits. That's Mm -hmm. fucking awful. I don't want to put TM thirteen in the box so I can carry a fishing rod with me because that's bullshit. Uh, uh, Additionally, uh, what the fuck was up with the EV system in the first game? Why not just max all the stats? That makes
3: sense. You're already
0: talking about EVs. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that was our second point point. passed.
3: uh, I mean. That's that. It's a pretty huge jump. All right, yeah. like, How
1: about the quality? You of walk things? way too <laughs> slow in the yeah. first generation game. Yeah, so that's pretty run by. Good.
0: That's, that's something that, that more than five percent of all people <laughs> who have played the games would know about. Good. Getting back on track yeah. here. Uh,
1: I mean, I, I, it's it's hard to describe. I think it's just coming from the later generation Pokemon games going back to the first one, but everything just seems so inconvenient in comparison. Like I had forgotten about the item limits, either from time passing or just because I forced it out of my head because it's such a bad decision. Mm-hmm. It, that it, it it just uh like replay it I just I, like I quit like midway through I was like I'm not gonna finish this I don't care anymore. Like <laughs> Wait, was it just a
0: memory limit issue? Well,
1: it's gotta be. yeah, it's it's gotta be technological, but like. But I mean, they still store all that data. Just like you have this item, but it's in a box. Presumably, mm-hmm. that's just a switch. Sure, sure. I.
3: Cause gold and ever...
1: silver didn't.
3: Well, maybe it did. Actually, it did. I don't. It, I think, it had the item yeah, limit. I think a bag limit. I think that diamond and pearl were the first games that didn't have a like an item limit. I'm like almost a hundred percent sure that the third generation games uh, didn't. It, it, they might have, but. I thought I remembered, like, that being a thing I was excited about in Gen 4.
0: Just to keep the weeds from curling up into a podcast where we still have to talk about all of Pokemon. Oh, uh, that's a good and, point. Uh, have you ever played Final Fantasy 1? Of course not. Oh, I love of Final course Fantasy not? One. Yeah, what, what do you think I am? Have, so you, played, I am. <laughs> have you played any played or SNES era RPG? Uh, Chrono
1: Trigger for the podcast. Oh,
0: yeah, Chrono Trigger was for the SNES, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Didn't have an item
0: limit. it. Uh... Lots of the things that you are talking about are just some of the RPG conventions of the era that, en- that ended up being brought into the design of Pokemon. I'm assuming because their attention was directed to a lot of other extremely important places, right? Where they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel unless, like, on things as like minor and quality of life as item carry limit systems. <laughs> they were instead <laughs> trying to design hundreds of unique creatures with like distinct move sets Ooh. that could combine into thousands of team combinations. Right, and, and I understand, like, Game Freak had only made, I believe, one other game with Nintendo at the
3: time, which was Yoshi on the NES. Oh, um, They had a game, like, a obscure 2D platformer that they made as well. Right, but it wasn't with Nintendo. Ah, oh, okay. Right.
1: Um, so I, I imagine they were at least somewhat under the gun, and I'm not going to try and make any sort of claim about the development of this game. Yeah. But I feel like the item limit has got to be something that comes up when playtesting a game. It's like, you don't put out a treadmill that every once in a while stabs you in the leg with a knife, and you're like, oh, I should really work that out, but... I'm, really, I'm not trying to reinvent the treadmill
0: here. I'm not going to iron out the, the bugs. Chad Rotherman comparing having to carry less than 99 things to being stabbed <laughs> no, in the
1: leg. You can carry 99 of anything that you had in your bag, but you can only carry like 16 different items.
3: It was more than 16, wasn't it?
1: It wasn't many. Because I remember I had to, like, by the time I had gotten to the third town, my bag was full. And it was really yeah, annoying.
3: I feel like it had to have been a memory thing. Yeah, uh, I and that's fine, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, but and like I feel like it was like, irritating. Yeah, I feel like the 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 Gen One games had a. I feel like a lot of what I would assume are like programming issues. Oh yeah, oh, yeah because yeah, yeah. of all like the infamous glitches and things that were like left in the game.
0: And a lot of just straight up mistakes too. Like, like the, what?
3: the relationship
0: between ghost types and psychic types. Oh, what do you mean? And it was a. Wasn't it just a straight up programming error? Is the reason that psychics are immune to ghost types in Gen 1? Mm mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's one of the reasons that in Gen 1 psychics are just so incredible, is because well, I think that's good against them are bugs. Right yeah and bugs are notoriously
3: bad at everything <laughs>
1: as you'd expect them to be ghost type
3: moves there's only in gen one I thought that was the problem right
1: uh and it's just hold on there would be two i forget if I think there's only one damage dealing ghost type move and it dealt like a a set amount of damage i forget the name of the move
3: it's it, it does like 40 damage every time you use it well, we won't worry about the yeah. specifics. Either yeah, way. That was yeah. the problem. And there was the same thing with bug Pokemon. Like, there weren't any good bug type moves. Also true. Yeah, which seems like a huge oversight. Because, like, psychic Pokemon on their own were already pretty good, and then they had no weaknesses. So. Right. Well, I agree that that's an oversight. Well, no relevant weaknesses. Yeah. I think
0: it's only an oversight in retrospect that they didn't attempt to, like, balance the types relevant to
3: one another. But, I mean, they kind of did with all the others, and Then Psychic was just the odd one out. Oh, no, no. I I didn't mean in relation to Psychic. I meant, like, the idea that
0: bug types kind of shit because they're bugs. Like, those sort of, like, interior relationships. Mm -hmm. A lot of the types of relationships weren't secular in the way that uh, we generally think of, like, fire, water, grass in the modern day. Right. And I feel like it was only after they started to really think about the implications of how... Because they had so many Pokemon and thus so much room for individuals to map on... Like their unique personalities and the things that they really wanted to express with about themselves through Pokemon, mm-hmm. where that meant that all the types kind of had to be equally viable because you didn't want the thing that was someone's specific point of self-expression to just be kind of generally worse. Right. I'm not talking, of course, in a metagame sense. I just mean like where a 10-level difference of a particular type of Pokemon wouldn't be enough within playing through a specific game for you to be able to get through the story and fight your friends. Right, like, I mean, it would be nearly impossible to go through the entire game using a
3: B drill.
1: Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. B drill is just going to not do you yeah. well. It seems weird though cuz the creator of Pokemon was really into bug collecting. Right. You think well, bug I imagine that's be why <laughs> bug type Pokemon are even a thing. Yeah. Like it it seems
1: strange like in any other I, I mean layers upon layers of Pokemon just on my head over the course of the past 20 years blurs this line a little bit, but it it would be strange in a lot of other games to have Bug as one of the, like, constituent element types. Yeah, you had
3: Bug magic.
2: Yeah,
1: like, (laughs) because, like, the only other ones that are even slightly weird are, like, flying, maybe, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, an element. Yeah. But everything
0: else, you know, you got fire, electric. Wasn't it not until, like, Gen (laughs) 3 or 4 or later when they even started to make, like, explicit... Well, where they started to even start treating things like bugs as if they were like elemental types. Because in Gen 1 and 2 was still when the physical special distinction was in full effect, where like fire types were the like quote unquote magic ones. They well, did what, fire shit. They but did like in rock genera- types were just to hit things with rocks. Right, it would all
1: do physical damage. Mm-hmm. What they did in Generation 3 was they split. Uh, Like move types into physical and special, Mm -hmm. whereas I think in Gen 2 they allowed... Well, no. No, I think you're right. It wasn't until Gen 3 that they did any of that. Mm -hmm. So yes, a fire type would just only do use its special stat. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there are lots of balancing issues uh, in the first game, which once again, this is the evolution of the series. If I wasn't as, as hooked into the games themselves or into, like, the franchise of Pokemon when I played the games. Yeah. I honestly don't know if I would have enjoyed them, like, just picking them up and playing them, because replaying it is not... It was not an enjoyable experience for me, like, whatsoever.
3: Yeah, it is kind of weird to think about, because I think the games, even for their time, were, like, kind of... They were below average, like, quality, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: I could not disagree with either of you e of e more on this point. I, l- I cannot believe what I am hearing
3: about, re- like, retrospectives on the first-gen Pokemon games. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I might be the biggest Pokemon fan here. You are. And I'm the one who's replayed the original games the most. Mm. But, like, think about, like, other games from the late 90s and then look at like, the way Pokemon look at looks. dinky-ass Pokemon. <laughs> and, like, the way, like, all the problems and issues it has. And, like... In balancing and programming, yeah, and balancing like, was basically not even a thing in the game. It
0: was, it was incredibly unpolished. Yeah, it was absolutely a rough around the edges game. Even when they had the enough time to re-release the game in different versions in the West.
3: Mm. Yeah, I but, mean like late '90s, you have something like Ocarina of Time on the N64. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, there's a technology thing, and, and there then as Pokemon. As well. yeah, like and. it just it feels. Even for its time, I think it felt, like, very, like, unpolished. And I think the rest of, like, the Pokemon media really held the games up. They...
0: I agree that the media, as opening discussion showed, was incredibly important for all of the sort of cultural adoption. Mm-hmm. But, like, the design implications of let's make an RPG with, in effect... One hundred and fifty classes of which you get to pick six is
3: incredible. It's I mean, I think the concept is like I, I feel comfortable calling it genius. But that's what people launched onto was yeah. the concept. Yeah, yeah. I the agree. ideas that I'm Pokemon talk, talk- represents are phenomenal.
1: Like the the things that they put out that began the series are all very good ideas. But the game's actual design and development fell short of what you would call a, like, successfully functioning game. Yeah. It had lots of problems, and it, it literally took them one iteration to get everything mostly correct. Like, when they got to Gold and Silver, everything really picked up from there. Mm-hmm. They understood the balancing issues, they... Added two types. Two typings that, like, shored up the matchup and made it so that you actually had a counter to things. Uh, when playing it like online, or more specifically, when you're playing the main game, mm-hmm. you actually have like the rock, paper, scissors that they want to exist. They want you to be able to make a rational choice. Whereas it, in the first generation, it was like there were a lot of things you could do to just win without challenge, and
0: that is by definition not good design. <laughs> when viewed through the lens of it, like an exclusively single player experience, which I think, as part of the whole weird transmedia nature of Pokemon, I don't think is always the most important thing to do. Right. Like, especially considering, I, I guess, I guess I should ask you guys this initially: uh, When you were kids, how much did you like level up your Pokemon, and how much did your friends level up their Pokemon?
3: Uh, it's hard to say because, like, I feel like we all had the friend. Like, once you figured out the rare candy cheat. <laughs> like, everyone just had level 100 Pokemon.
1: That's why I grinned menacingly at JJ. <laughs> all,
3: all of my Pokemon were level 100.
1: I had 150 level 100 unique Pokemon, because I'm a
3: turd. Uh, I was also six years old, so, <laughs> so like, true, don't true. fucking yeah. believe We were all turns. Like, I yeah. think, God, it's, it's a total guess here, right. uh, because it was so long ago. Yeah. But I feel like the first time I played through the game my Pokemon were probably all around like like right below fifty or something mm-hmm. before I beat the game, like slightly under leveled.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know what the, the the meta or whatever of Gen one is. Not in terms of the like multiplayer battling, but when you finish a Pokemon game now, your Pokemon generally are level like six between sixty and seventy. Mm-hmm. I would say is a fair mm-hmm. estimate. Yeah. So I think Gen One was a little bit lower, but
0: the, the reason that I was asking about that is because I felt like part of the really interesting experiences that you have part of the reason that Pokemon got everyone talking were the things that you did outside of the game that were nonetheless facilitated by the design of the game. And because you had like no matter what Pokemon team you chose, by the end of the like personal path, you would hit you would be subject like around fifty. But the XP curve continues to, you know, exponentially grow and mm. get harder and harder to level. I remember being like actually impressed when I was a kid that like Derek had like a level 100 Nito King. And I don't think I ever had any level 100 Pokemon until Gen 2 at all, because I just didn't put in that much time into the games, and I didn't have the friend group that knew about all the hacks. Like, I didn't even know about missing, no, until I was, like, in high school. an really? Yeah, really. I I just, uh, within the the group of people that I hung out with, that information just wasn't, it didn't spread. It was pre-internet and certainly Uh, pre-access for for kids our age having the internet.
3: mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I feel like I knew all the glitches. I have. I'm probably or most of all the big ones, anyway.
1: Within like some
3: number of feet from
1: us, like a collection of like weird Pokemon reference material that I bought, <laughs> like from Toys R Us and shit when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of strange. I I don't know. It's a, uh, I mean, I definitely remember leveling Pokemon to one hundred without cheating. Right.
3: But cheating eventually happened. happened. Potential or the potential, Jesus. The The patience, attention span. There
0: we go. And the reason why I thought the level gap was important is because levels that your Pokemon are at, specifically when you have like a fifty level range after you've already beaten the game of what you can hypothetically do, means that. Those sort of considerations about, like, type effectiveness and, like, counters and stuff like that seem much less important in the, like, casual social setting that Pokemon exists in where you're just sitting
3: around and, like, fighting your friends when it's, like, this crazy event. I guess, to me, I group that in with, like, all of the outside stuff surrounding Pokemon. Like, when when I'm talking about, like, the quality of the game itself, I'm talking about it as, like, a single-player... Experience.
0: I don't think that's fair when, See, when I, it's so
3: important that the game that they split the game into two versions for this exact reason. Yeah, like, I mean that's fair, but like that's just like, when I think about it, I like separate that part. I, I can't even really speak. And I mean, uh, I had all three versions myself, and I know lots of other kids probably had both, so they didn't have to trade with other people. Yeah, I but, had blue. I so say like I. I <laughs> Just because I liked Pokemon so much that, like, whenever my birthday came around, somebody bought me <laughs> another, another Pokemon game. Yeah. I, uh...
1: When I, I don't know, when I was a kid, it was like... I, I can't even really speak on that, because I had basically one friend who had Pokemon and let, we interacted at all, and we did do the whole, like, trade to complete the Pokedex thing. Um, but... I don't know, we never, like, I never found battling with friends in Gen 1 to be a particularly engaging experience. Me
2: neither.
1: Because it, it, because of this, this balancing issue that we were talking about, when both players have level 100 Pokemon and you both know generally what is, like, the best thing to do... Which has nothing to do with necessarily with information gathering, but when you're seven years old and you have only one other person to talk to, you're both gonna come to relatively the same conclusions. So you end up with two very similar teams and it's not like a it's not like a war game where you like strategically decide where the pieces sit. Right. You
0: are sitting two tanks across from each other and firing shells back and forth. Once you already have built the tanks. And that's what I'm saying, that the vast majority of people who played the games in our generation never reached. Right. They never reached tank mode, where everyone has six level 100 Pokemon in Gen 1 that they just hit against each other with their legendaries using explosion moves. Right. Like this, My this memories not... are like a level 68 Charizard fighting against a level 80 Blastoise or something. Like, for me...
3: See so memories are of losing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just because I said the name first didn't mean yeah. <laughs> as me. For me, like all the at least anything that I can remember, battles always came down to two Mewtwo's struggling against <laughs> each other to kill the other one first. All right. Like it was always like Yeah, like it would always come down to Each person's Mewtwo or just smacking each other. God, the amount of subculture and culture shock I'm experiencing within these, like, retro.
1: It is, I think, I mean, I'm sure that there were plenty of people who had the experience that Andy and I had, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also sure that there are plenty more people who had the experience that you had. The whole point of me bringing it up at all was just that I can't speak on the, like, multiplayer aspects of the first generation games. Or, for that matter, the second or third generation games, because in the second generation, none of my friends were playing Pokemon, and I stopped playing during the third generation. As many did. Right. Which was a huge mistake, because the third gen is, like, among my favorites now. Ooh. Uh But I just stopped. Like, I'd never finished Sapphire, and when I went to load it up, I had to restart the game. Uh, and this was, like,
0: many years ago at this point, but... So then, narrowing it down in, then, now that I've made my case about multiplayer stuff, I believe that you, Chad, mentioned earlier that you thought that it was Gen 2, where they really sort of, like, hit their stride from, like, a personal design perspective?
2: Yeah.
1: I think that in the... And we made fun last week of uh, of Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. And it was two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten past the Andy mistake about week orientations oh, in our yeah, podcast. Yeah, the,
1: the perpetual one-week, two-week differentiation. Um, we, we, last week we made fun of Assassin's Creed 2 and Ubisoft for releasing largely similar games year after year. Mm-hmm. With Pokemon, it takes them a couple of years to do it, but they release new games that but they keep making actual improvements as opposed to garbage. Uh, <laughs> watered-down versions of things that you've already done before. It,
0: it seems like the problem you might have with the Ubisoft approach has less to do with reiterating on the same idea <laughs> and more that you believe the idea is, quote, garbage. Well, <laughs> the, well the, the problem with the Ubisoft approach, as opposed
1: to the Pokemon approach, which we all take issue with and will discuss eventually, right, uh, is that Ubisoft seems to be I guess what you would call churning out <laughs> garbage, as opposed to <laughs> Like, they put their games out on a basis in that they have a deadline and they meet the deadline. And even if the game comes out where a man's voice can come out of a child's yeah. body, they're okay with it and it just happens. Whereas with Pokemon, they take years and years in between games. Specifically so, they don't release...
3: They release something that is at least... Technically functional. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't design like a hundred new Pokemon in a year, yeah, when have them be any good? Yeah, not with keeping up the quality, <laughs> yeah. even just visually of the sort of iterations of all the designs. About, yeah. yeah. Why um, are they so good? Why do they look so beautiful? All the Pokemon. Because they hire artists to design them.
1: Well, but is that we, really we not have to, the case? We have to heap a lot of credit onto uh, Ken Sugimori. Yes, because he. Is the principal designer of all the Pokemon. <laughs> like the artistic design and look of the majority of Pokemon comes down to his yes or no, and yeah, and he's I, not
3: really fucked up. No, nah. nope. Yeah, you yeah. It's the t- talent there and the coordination between him and whoever else comes up with like, however they balance it, like however many types like how many fire types how many water types like how many new pokemon that they're adding and like all the different kind of moves they want to implement they have to like work in tandem to design pokemon that can use those moves and be those types i'm sure it's like a huge headache but they do a great job
0: i'm surprised there's actually not more public information about like the design iterative process of how like pokemon get created over
3: time i mean there probably is but we don't do that much research. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> I imagine that that kind of a thing is, is a
1: Japanese audience sort of program. Like we're, like it is less likely that the American audience is going to see something like a behind the scenes or like a very in-depth like development thing. Than the Japanese audiences because of the translation costs. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. So you don't release your, the special features for your American-made movie in other languages. Yeah, you might throw like a like a,
0: a subtitle track on it, but you're not going to take localization into account. For that's, that. a, that's a good point, actually. I I I, I never I, I never considered that if like Ken Sugimori made like a drive to work podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. It would all be in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, and, and in addition to that, you have to think about like. Pokemon is big in America?
2: Yeah.
1: Pokemon is fucking huge <laughs> in Japan. Yes. Like, they are very... Well, I've, I say they as a collective pronoun. I mean, like, Pokemon fans in Japan are very proud of of Pokemon the series and, like, what they have brought to the world in that, like, in the, in the immense fandom that it has spawned. Like, if the things were not successful... Over there, we wouldn't have it here, and right. it has influenced culture in terms of like shopping and advertising. And they got a cool fucking Pikachu Detective game that we didn't get.
0: And are we getting the movie? I forget. Are we still getting? The I, movie? I don't care. I want the game. Yeah,
1: really I want bad. the game too. I really <laughs> want to play a Great Detective Pikachu. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so they they probably do have something that you could dig up and maybe find a translation of. But, yeah. Because I was
0: actually running into a problem with this. Because the, like, Pokemon pop culture media-ness of it is so enormous, it was incredibly hard for me to find, like, substantive discussion of the series on the internet. I was actually wor- really worried about that coming into the podcast, and it's part of the reason that I'm trying to like hammer on like specific influence points because I couldn't find that anywhere. It was just like. At the equivalent, this is a little bit too mean, At it's so if you <laughs> took the median between, like, having a normal conversation and a BuzzFeed article, like, just straight 50-50 between the two, sure. that's what, like, everyone's conversation about Pokemon is that you can hear. <laughs> yeah. You just get so completely drowned out that I don't even know if, like, really intelligent Pokemon conversation exists on the internet. Yeah, it, it, it comes down to either you find somebody
1: talking about how they really like Pokemon, uh, or you find, like, the 15 cutest blue Pokemon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> list. Like, there isn't a ton of, of substantive work out there. Uh, I, I have to, like, I mean, shout out, I guess, to Smogon for having substantive discussion, but specifically about, like, the, the meta 6v6 game. battling metagame. Yeah. But that's such a small portion of, of Pokemon in general. I, I you have, that... like, the decks. Yeah. on YouTube, who who do have this kind of discussion, but it's largely yeah. about like the fandom. It's, it's not just, about the yeah, game design. I say,
3: yeah, it's more casual.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think, well, of course, he being a huge Smogin' fan for other reasons, this is not the kind of stuff that I want to commend them for because it, <laughs> when we're talking about Competitive X... You always are going to have the like serious discussion site that's going to come into existence around optimizing for that competitive thing. Like even if Smogon wasn't the person who created like the tier lists or optimized move sets for Pokemon or mm-hmm. information about EVs and all that, someone would have done it in their place because there's just an incentive structure already in place by the way that the games are made sure. to have that be created. The thing that I think is really just not present enough in general pokemon conversation are questions like why do we all just fucking salivate at the mouth every single time we <laughs> <laughs> look at a pikachu no one cares about like any of the normal design questions
3: that people have like really cool conversations about about all sorts of other stuff yeah yeah maybe it's cuz it it just seems like too monumental of a question to answer yeah like, it's kind of a it, it almost kind of feels like pokemon is just lightning in a bottle, like it was just at the right place at the right time, and it exploded. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I mean, you I mean, could break it down more than that, but it feels like that's the case a lot yeah. of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pokemon was was lightning in the bottle, and now has become a much larger bottle with a lot more lightning. In it. Like, <laughs> it, they have they have not broken that bottle. Yes, yeah. it, it is. It, it they is still have it an ever growing <laughs> bottle of lightning that just. It 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 because I mean fuck we we said four weeks ago on the Pokemon Snap podcast that Pokemon Sun and Moon is the highest pre-selling Nintendo game of all time. Yeah, that is incredible. It is Mm -hmm. that is the seventh. With I read that whole list. It is like (laughs) forty seconds. Yeah, like a billionth game in the series, and is still selling better than Mario. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. that is incredible. And that kind of a thing is... I mean, the, the questions that you're looking to to discuss yeah. are questions that people ask of lots of games in retrospect. Yeah, Pokemon is very much an ongoing thing. True. And I think what we're trying to do here, and the reason that we're having this discussion on this podcast, is because we intend to sort of look at the individual eras of it and ask and attempt to answer or at least throw some ideas around those design questions yeah. in relation to...
0: And if, if, even if we can't the get time the full picture, which I totally agree with Andy, might just be because of the whole transmedia property of it mm-hmm. just too large to have any substantive answer to in any period of time. I at least want to have questions about specific design decisions, which is something else that I think Mm -hmm. is small enough that we can zero in on, but still substantive enough and lacking in the popular culture that I think is valuable. Fair enough. In that
1: case, do we want to take a break and come back and try and do that? Maybe. We're going to take a break. (laughs) And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about pokemon the game maybe the jrpg maybe. we've got an we're hour without about saying pokemon JRPG.
3: ranger shadows of mordor
1: yeah pokemon xd shadows of mordor
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what do we want to talk about what was the video game that we're done
1: right uh so we're back from our first break Yep, uh, of potentially one million breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing that we were discussing, that we're sort of getting into at the end of that first half, we're mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of the first half, uh, was that between generations, uh, the games, when they iterate, actually do have improvements. That that's nice. That's... Yeah, they they improve upon the gameplay, and when they try something wildly different they usually make it something that is not like an absolute requirement, right? True. So we discussed uh, just a minute ago, not on the podcast, how much we dislike Pokemon contests as a thing because they don't make any sense, right? <laughs> right. It, it, it's It's kind of, they're weird, they don't really do anything for you you get ribbons
0: they make me question my masculinity yeah.
1: I'm not really you do not, not play a game for eight year olds so yeah. you
0: question how manly you are <laughs> uh, I don't want to have to think about how attractive my Scyther is ever not once your yeah, is probably cool not cute
1: because their moves are okay don't uh, talk to me about the mechanics of Pokemon <laughs> contests. I had to do them in uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire in order to
0: get uh, Garchompite. I would like to quote the distinction made by Sans and Undertale between Can and have to in video games. <laughs> uh, I wanted Omega
1: Garchomp. <laughs> therefore I participated in Pokemon contests at what cost Chad Uh, (laughs) well not that much because they introduced cosplay Pikachu in those games (laughs) who basically just wins contests automatically what does cosplay Pikachu dress up as Uh, depends on what type of contest you're entering I forget all of his, like... D- don't put me on the spot. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm
0: sorry. I just wanted to know if there was a cute <laughs> football Pikachu that I didn't know
1: about. There's not a football Pikachu. There is, like, a there's like a rock star Pikachu and, like, a princess Pikachu. <laughs> like a
0: football. <laughs> Those people who cosplay as footballs to major... No, <laughs> I thought you
1: meant, like, football, like a football player. Oh. That would people be usually don't also cosplay as, like, just a... Like a rock music. <laughs> like, Pikachu does. Because...
3: Yeah. Why did we jump right into contests?
1: Oh, because they're an example of something that Uh. was put into a game Mm -hmm. but is not, like, a necessary thing. When Pokemon... This is something I talked about in the Pokemon Snap episode, but Pokemon, uh, tends to like to just sort of throw things at the wall and see what happens, but they do it in a very safe space. So you end up with something like contests, which largely you don't need to do, uh, like, poke blocks in the third generation, which was only necessary if you wanted a melodic, uh... The Battle Frontier in the later
0: generations, yeah.
1: Yeah, Gen 3, I believe, was the first one that had Battle Frontier. Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of a thing... I mean, obviously, from my perspective, Battle Frontier does just seem like an improvement over the previous games. Yeah. Yeah. But... Not everyone is going to engage in that way, and therefore it could fall like those people could love Pokemon contests and think that the Battle Frontier is stupid, uh, which is another, which is a fair assessment. Right. though I think that it's more relevant because it's actually related
3: to battling, which is the primary mechanic of the game. Right. Uh, <laughs> they had the uh, the Pokemon World Tournament in Gen Five. Yeah, they did. What is that? Where you get you it's a place that you go like a, a stadium that you can go to in the world and you can like battle the, all the gym leaders from every generation and the champions
0: oh that sounds cool
3: yeah it, pretty, is, it was pretty cool yeah. yeah I mean Gen 5 did some cool things
1: despite us not being super hot on it generally yeah um, <clears throat> but yeah, so what we were discussing before is like we talked about Gen one being fairly unpolished. And Gen 2 is a lot like Gen 1, except they polished it. A lot. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) They cleaned it up. There weren't as many, like, game-destroying glitches. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) They reworked the battle system and the EV system. So Pokemon became more customizable if you knew what you were doing. They added two types in order to further balance battling. And it allowed even for somebody who is more casual, a lot more interplay in terms of, if you're going against somebody who has psychic type Pokemon, you now have dark type at your disposal. Yep. So you have dark types, you have bug types with slightly better moves than before, and you have ghost types with a functioning type categorization finally, <laughs> yep. uh, and ones that aren't part poison type, right? Which is always nice to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and all of these things went towards making just a better play experience altogether. Yeah, like all of the big things from Gen One that were wrong were fixed, basically. Right. I, I I think that that is why Gen Two is is held up by people who, when judging the Pokemon games in respect of the time that they were released in, and who want to give credit to the older games, usually say that Gen Two is. That is like it was the best. Like it was the one that really came out full force and said, like, Pokemon is here. We have a good game. Play it.
0: The Gen 2 f- thing that always latched on to me, again, like previous discussions showed that I was not very like mechanically oriented when I was playing the games at that age right. is that it was the first game in the series and compared to one that really sort of latching on to ha- good narrative structures. Uh, and, I mean all linear, of course but to some extent sort of uh, like branching and the way that you could choose to do things at particular times, like the way that they introduced the legendary dogs, that town that uh, ho is in, like that sort of atmosphere. critique City, Yeah, yeah. critique Solid, solid naming. Mm-hmm. I'll use this resource many times probably over the course <laughs> of the podcast. But they had like a lot of people who were much more defined characters than in the first game. I feel like it's very easy Uh, looking backwards for people to map on their understandings of things from the show onto like red and blue like people don't seem to really fully appreciate how much more characterization a lot of elements of the creatures in the games got initially from the anime and then into yellow and then from there into the rest of the series Mm -hmm. but I really liked the sort of like out of the context of gym interactions you could have with the people with the red Gyarados and the lake that whole sequence Mm -hmm. uh going underground with Lance, doing cool things like that. There were just tons and tons of moments in in, uh, the second generation of games where it felt like you were interacting with people and not just sort of playing a really
3: early RPG. Uh, Yeah, it was really smart for them to make it a direct sequel to the first game and have Team Rocket back. They're doing things related to what they did in the first game. Giovanni's still their leader you team up with Lance who was in the previous game, you meet blue. Like it it gave you it capitalized on the popularity of the series. They're like they knew that you know you're familiar with all that stuff yeah. and they used that in a creative way. And
0: they didn't overdo it too, which is something that if you were granted success on the level of Pokemon, you would be Super tempted to do constantly, mm-hmm. like in the same way that sort of the Star Wars prequels began to fetishize the lightsaber to such an extreme degree as they continued to exist. Right, like they have like elite four
3: cameos. Right, like, right. Stuff like there like, wasn't everybody.
0: a Pikachu didn't fucking show up as like a main character in the games and mm-hmm. just run around with you. Right, uh, and as I've said before, maybe even twice uh, through the course of this podcast. Uh, how, like, withheld the introduction of Red was at the end of Mount Silver uh, oh, yeah, yeah. has allowed that to persist. Yeah, as one keeping of, like, that
3: as an Easter egg was a good idea. It and was
0: incredible the way that they were able to just make that, like, a quiet moment. Like, who... Especially when we were dealing with a franchise designed specifically for kids at the time, just, like, very, very young individuals, mm-hmm. to want to have, like, a silent introduction to the character from the last game that you were playing. Yeah,
3: and... I think, I, I've heard this before, and I'm pretty sure it's a legitimate fact, uh, <laughs> that they thought this was going to be the last Pokemon game. Yeah. So they really, like, try. It, it shows that they really tried to make this as good as they could. Mm. And yeah. that probably was a motivating factor in, like, setting... In, in the way that they designed like that encounter i think specifically yeah in addition to a motivating factor for them to create
1: new pokemon yeah because i I feel like there would be like the existence of the pokemon is obviously the like impetus for the existence of pokemon as a whole yeah um and is like the primary selling point is that it's a jrpg but your party is constantly changing and you can kind of designed it the way that you want out of a huge roster. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I feel like with 151, they probably could have just kept that rolling into the next generation, but thinking that it was the last one that they were going to do, they probably had lots of ideas that they wanted to implement. Mm -hmm. And
3: they had ones left over that they didn't get to put into the first games. Right.
1: So they were able to do that and it became a series staple. Now, that's kind of speculation to see if that is exactly why, Mm -hmm. but... It does feel right, and it plays into how well iterated the second
0: generation was. Yeah, the, the one to two jump ended up setting up a whole lot of expectations for later jumps in the series and how the sequels were going to progress. How safe they played it initially in Gen One, within uh, the context of just the second generation's game, it was. Sort of, sort of. This is something that probably both of you won't be able to appreciate as much, but it reminds me very much of the sort of reverence to like the pre, the prior iterations of the series that like Fire Emblem Awakening had, where what they were trying to do was sort of create a swan song, and when you're doing that, a lot of what you're doing is supposed to be iterative. You're not trying to trailblaze, and because they treated it as like this weird sort of final moment in the Pokemon saga and thus, for that reason, tried to stay very similar to the incredible cultural sensation that they had created. Uh, Once that sort of wheel kept turning, uh, you just had very little movement and iteration after that point because there was less reason to want to deviate from the gym structure, less reason to deviate from the strange sort of antagonistic force that was being introduced Mm. and many other things.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, there created a host of, like, tropes that would go forward Mm -hmm. as being necessary elements of a Pokemon game. Yeah, it cemented the formula. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did want to touch on um, before moving forward uh, is that idea of of the games having, like, personality for once. Yeah. Because, as you said, like, in the first game, you could talk to some people. Uh, But even in the first games, Pokemon were treated largely, largely as just animals and their Pokedex entries even sort of had that same theme where they were more of an ecology entry than they were a description of the Pokemon itself. Mm-hmm. And it, starting in the second generation and then moving forward, we start seeing Pokemon develop, like, personalities. Yeah. And so you can kind of... Because like, while you wouldn't assume that a caterpillar outside was, like, particularly joyous... You could read like the caterpie entry, and it would explain like why a caterpie does a thing that a caterpie does in like one pithy sentence, and it's that kind of a thing that allowed you to sort of connect with the characters in the game a lot a lot stronger.
0: They kind of had to keep that going after the expectations they would set up through like the early TV show, and then tying that TV show in, into Yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the, they kept treating the Pokemon like creatures and not like friends. Uh, that would have created started to create like a weird sort of split off difference between the games themselves and the rest of the sort of yeah. miasma of intellectual property. They had yeah. to
3: pick whether or not they were gonna lean more towards the anime or the manga because the manga is actually like really violent. In yeah, like and a treats lot, the, the a a lot darker. more like an, an animals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and it was a smart move for them to pick the thing that had the greater cultural penetration and was known internationally. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Not to
1: mention the fact that like it would have created even more problems for them trying to skirt potential ethical issues. Yeah. A lot of people have made comparisons to like dog fighting and all kinds of, like even beyond that, like Satanism and like. Yeah. <laughs> It is difficult for Pokemon to survive in this world that just want like. Once someone goes on TV and renounces you for being potentially satanic, that's when you know you've really made an impact. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like that's a great marker for success that people were afraid of Pokemon. Oh yeah, <laughs> if the if the
0: church responds to what you are doing, <laughs> Oof.
1: yeah, that's a uh, you, yeah you've made a splash at that point. Uh, so, we go forward, I guess, from there. Yeah. Um, and the games do continue to improve mechanically, and it's why I say that each game, each generation of the main series tends to be better than the previous one, uh, and it's, you know, like, moving to the third generation, suddenly we have, uh, we just get, like, the moves switched, uh, into being physical and special, and they split the uh, special stat into special attack and special defense. And I'm sure they're like more fun improvements that (laughs) I am just less aware of because I focus so much on the mechanical
3: aspects. They introduced double battles Mm. in Gen 3. Um, Graphical fidelity, world design. Yeah, being on the Game
0: Boy Advance is a big deal. Oh, this is something specific to Gen 3. Uh, that actually traces all the way back to the totality of the series that I forgot to bring up in earlier conversations but one thing that I always thought was really interesting about the series is how it sort of carries with it this like perpetual sense of mystery in the worlds that they create started initially by the surprisingly true like uh, schoolyard discussions about missing no and like Random things that would be like bullshit creepypastas in today's world, where the internet can fact check everything. Okay. But now it turns out that you can actually do some kind of crazy glitchy thing in Gen One, and the Gen Three equivalent to this is uh, like that disappearing island, right? The like oh, it's a crazy, they right. do crazy shit with the game's clock or something in order to potentially get Deoxys. Very vague memories from my case because Gen Three was the Gen uh, that I actually ended up skipping, like many, many, many Me other too. people.
3: Yeah, I I've, this Gen 3 is when, like, the series had, I think, its biggest lull that it's ever had, because, like, like, early 2000s, like, Pokemania, as people call it, r- like, died off, and, like, the series survived comfortably still, Oh yeah. but, like, it was no longer at the forefront of pop culture, and a lot of people... You know, got, like, our generation, we were, like, in junior high. You know, like, we all got a little bit older, and we're like, eh, Pokemon, whatever. Yeah. Good. Yeah. um, I think that's...
0: It never... It was still considered at the time, because it, while huge, was not... It it wasn't sort of, like, lifestyle feature that we all consider it now. It was still just, like, a kid's thing that, while much more successful, would still be, especially in the minds of many, equatable to, like... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something like that.
2: Right.
0: Uh,
1: Whereas it it was a, like, cultural mainstay for basically an entire
3: generation. Yeah, since it had started, it had been, like, yeah, like a... uh, (laughs) I totally forgot what I was going to say. I think... I don't know. It had had been a phenomenon. Mm. I think it is fair to... Call the,
1: as you describe it, the Pokemania of like the very, very late 90s, early 2000s as a fad because it was quite short lived, Mm -hmm. but it's a fad that had a very lasting impact. Yep.
0: Uh, But it was, like Andy said, it was Gen 3 was the point at which people were unsure if that lasting impact was there or not. Like that mm -hmm. was the point in time where people thought it was going to be the testing point at which. Well, not, obviously, it wasn't someone who was, like, trying to track historically, like, is this going to be the next <laughs> thing that's going to affect the lives of hundreds of people? But I'm meaning is, not that anyone was consciously thinking of this, just that if there was a time at which the trend was going to die, it was going to die in the Gen 3 transition. And while minor, there were, like, other tiny design things that helped this. Like, the fact that this was the first time where you finally had to say goodbye to your friends from the Game Boy oh, sure right. could not have helped.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. Were you able to trend? No. No. No, I mean from gen one to two. Yes. You could, I okay. guess.
3: sure. And you only couldn't because of the um uh, internal clock battery fiasco of Gen two. Right. To anyone who's unfamiliar, uh di- Gen two had a day night cycle, which apparently like made the battery like It ate up the battery, like, way too fast, and, like, your cart, when it ran out, you couldn't save your game anymore on a Gen 2 cart. So it broke the chain. You couldn't trade from Gen 2 to Gen 3.
1: Additionally, uh, I believe that the internal clock was actually the only reason that that game had a battery. Like, I don't think other Game Boy games had batteries. Yeah, they
3: do. They do. That's how they're saved, is from the battery. Uh, yep. Yeah, I've sure.
0: watched you open up a Pokemon Red cart yep. and I, replace I, I, the battery. It, it happened oh, to my yeah, Red was, cart, okay. too,
3: and I right. changed it, yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. But yeah, Gen 2 did have the day and night cycle, which we forgot to mention, and that also stays
3: as oh, yeah. a persistent that's, theme through the entire That's kind of significant series. because it actually impacted, like, which Pokemon were in an area.
0: Right. It did, but... I still mostly consider that sort of window dressing. I sort of was, in my mind, lumping the day-night cycle changes into sort of the changes in environment. Uh,
3: Yeah. It's it's
0: sort of... uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. It's unfair to just call it window dressing because it's not. It has mechanical implications, and it's more important than the term window dressing would suggest. It made the places feel more like they were alive in the same way that, like or whatever the
1: name is. it.
0: Yeah, in the same way that that city felt alive, because of a whole lot of really tiny changes they made about color and the way things were designed and the music. There's a really important distinction, though,
1: in there, because, it, yes, I agree that calling winter dressing is unfair, because I think that it's a huge step in terms of making Pokemon almost like a lifestyle thing, as opposed to just, like, a game that you play in your free time. I remember... Yeah, oh, I was prepared with an example. Uh, I, I remember when I was... Uh, I, fuck, I don't know. Young. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you fucking call that? Young? young? Well, yeah, I, was, I was trying to come up with, like, a year, but I don't honestly remember. You um, But When I was younger, uh, I got cripplingly into Animal Crossing on the GameCube. And a big deal with that is that I would turn the game on three or four times in a day. I would turn the game on before I went to school. I, went, I turned the game on when I got back from school, and I turned the game on before I went to bed. Because different things were happening at different times of day. And because Pokemon did the same thing, you would turn the game on in, during the day and catch Pokemon on a route. And then you would turn the game on at night and return to catch different Pokemon. Additionally, they introduced, uh, oh God, were Espy and Umber on Gen 2? Yes. Okay. And they were tied to the day-night cycle as well. And Eevee, a very popular Pokemon, that kind of thing. It made you think about nighttime. It made you wonder what was different, especially in that pre-internet era. Not that really it was. Like, we were we were pretty much in the internet era at that point, but...
3: Uh, it was the very early, shitty internet era. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Gen 3's sort of expansion on that idea of, like, living, world-like environment was supposedly the weather system, right? At least mm-hmm. that, that as advertised, that would be yeah. the thing. That Which happens. has made a massive impact on
1: the game's, like, metagame, but... <laughs> We'll we'll talk about how it's a good thing for the living mysterious environment. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to keep that, beating
0: Smogan back into your mouth <laughs> over and over yeah. again. And it's
3: it's tied to the plot of the games. Like mm. it's tied to Groudon and Kyogre. Which shows how important they thought it was. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: But
3: Oh also,
1: just a quick thing of clarification, the Axis is a it was an event Pokemon. Yeah. Mirage Island was like a different thing. Oh. What was on Mirage Island oh, then?
0: I don't remember. I never got it. Oh, yeah, because it was secret and amazing. I think I
3: managed to get there once, and I don't remember what's there.
0: Mm. Gen 3 also had
1: a lot of other things going against it, because it was the first game on the Game Boy Advance, so it required a new piece of hardware. Mm -hmm. Like, a Game Boy was pretty ubiquitous. Like, almost everyone had a Game Boy for some reason or another. I know lots of dads... Who had Game Boys for Tetris? Right. That other that their kids then got Pokemon to play on the Game Boy. Yeah, uh, making dads
0: in bathrooms very sad for years <laughs> years to come. Uh, <laughs> and the Game Boy Advance, like most controls, didn't have a Tetris, so it didn't right. just have a thing that immediately made everyone own it as yeah. soon as it existed. <laughs> yeah, that that thing would have been Pokemon Ruby and
1: Sapphire. Uh, if the train had still been going as strong as it was. Yeah, if the kids
0: weren't slightly angstier now and more and... concerned about public image. Yeah. I imagine that's probably what made me stop playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As much as I, like, complained about, like, oh, you can't bring your team with you anymore and, other, like, de- design features that make it with you, that was not even part of the thought in my mind when <laughs> I was playing up. It was just, I stopped playing Pokemon after Gen 2 because I didn't consider Pokemon a thing that was just a thing people did. I considered it a thing that kids did, so I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. How wrong we were. How yeah. wrong. That being said, the next time that I
1: got largely into Pokemon is in what I think is the neck is like as of our discussion the largest jump in terms of
3: things changed between generations three and four. Do uh, do we wanna like continue talking about Gen three though? What about it? I mean, it just seemed like we only said a couple <laughs> things well <it's> because <laughs> between c- two and three.
0: We don't have a whole lot of comparative experience with Gen Three because I Gen guess. Three was the point where a lot of us ended up, you know, dropping off like flies. Right. Like I, I started talking about the weather initially uh, because I wanted to point out how important they seemed to think that the weather was, right. and that looking back, it doesn't seem like it was affected the core design of the experience that much. Mm-hmm. But as with all video games, uh, if you want to talk about it. I hope you have a topic to talk about, or a thing that's important enough to <laughs> well, make it worth talking.
3: I'm just saying, like we just kind of skirted over it. I felt like. Well, I, I do have one thing that I find really interesting about Gen Three. Yeah. In that,
1: it I believe is the only Pokemon game to fall into like complete esoteria when it came to attempting to uh, obtain the Regis oh, in that uh, game. Yeah. Because. In future games and in previous games, Catching Legendaries was, for the most part, like a story event, mm-hmm. or just like a thing that you would go and they would be there and it was just a surprise. Yeah. Like, congratulations, you found the thing, now catch it. With the Reggies, if you wanted to catch them purely on your own merit, you have to understand Braille. <laughs> uh... <laughs> In addition to actually finding them, which was significantly more complicated than like go to the power plant mm-hmm. you had to like dive into a cave at a certain time and use strength on a wall and then it would give you a braille thing, and then you'd have to do a very specific combination of actions yeah.
0: to trigger a shaking screen. It was just crazy what what that was was that was them attempting to build into their world intentionally the kind of crazy mysteries that existed in the game initially. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have Missing No, but as a designed feature and not as a crazy, like, flowering glitch.
3: Yeah, and I have to say, personally, I really love that. Mm -hmm. But, and Wish they do something like that again, but, like, O- o- rain it back a little. Yeah. Bring because, it back in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, don't use braille. Make it easier to figure out on your own. But like some kind of secret content like that, I think is really cool. I don't even think that's the problem. I don't think it was the difficulty of the puzzle that made you, people mad me, at it. You'd ha- well, I'm not mad at it. Or, I, know, I, just, sorry. I wish it was. You didn't have to look it up to figure it out. Right. But the right. reason that you have to do it is because what they locked behind it was
0: legendary Pokemon. Right. That's what I think the mistake was. It's the fact that they. Put a thing that everyone knows about, that everyone expects to just get naturally in the course of gameplay, mm-hmm. behind this ludicrously convoluted system that you would associate in the modern day with like an ARG or something stupid like that. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean, but they weren't the main legendaries of the game. Of course,
0: but they were still part they of the still trio. Like they were in
3: quantity. Yeah, yeah there's something that,
0: that everyone would be looking for and everyone would Not want and everyone cat, would, cat, would yeah. expect. Like I generally really, really love like super esoteric shit in games like this but normally what you get rewarded with is like information about the setting or something like that creating like specific mechanical content that everyone is already expecting and then locking it behind something that esoteric is a huge mistake I mean put yourself in my shoes though like, how
1: disappointed do you suspect I would be if all I was given was lore after
0: doing all of that? <laughs> right, right. But it's... I'm trying to think of a good, solid example. Because, like, with Missing No, you don't... What's cool about Missing No, other than, like, the item glitch, which is the reason that it ended up getting spread initially, is just its existence. It's not like mi- the Missing No Pokemon suddenly allowed you to, like, break the game or do anything mechanically super interesting. That's not true. What do you mean? The missing no is
1: an integral part of the 99 items glitch. I, I mentioned that initially. I opened with saying the item glitch. I must have blacked out for a second yeah. there. I apologize. You did.
0: Yes. Uh, what I meant when I was talking about mechanics is that missing no itself is not like It's not like a legendary Pokemon. It's not like this really awesome, cool, mechanical feature that you would do stuff with. It's just like this crazy, weird artifact that you found. And I don't know if lore is the correct word to describe that, always. I do agree that it's broader than the word lore would suggest, but like can you guys think of other examples of like crazy esoteric locked shit in video games and the kind of things that end up getting locked behind that? The only other thing that comes up for me is climbing to the top of the tower in Shadow of the Colossus and what you get rewarded with there is a pretty scenery. Well, I mean, whatever that hurts you. Like
3: Ash Lake in Dark Souls.
0: Yeah, that's solid. And, I, and I, I still agree with that in terms of falling under the sort of lore description but I was talking y- yeah, about.
3: Yeah, you get a lot of like interesting lore implications, but you also get a boss fight, a small area, some items, and a covenant. The covenant, I think, is minor. The boss fight is just another item. It's hydra. a repeat, yeah. yeah. And it's the where you find the end of Seagward's story if you manage to complete it. Which is exactly the lore that I was discussing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Dark Souls time it is no <laughs> oh, I, I said Siegward I meant Siegmire
1: Cobb <laughs> we're oh, gonna yeah. do that
0: forever now aren't
1: we yeah probably fuck anyway uh I'm, I'm I'm struggling to find like other examples I like things that come to mind are like the cheese in Perfect Dark or like the rat dens in <laughs> Portal <laughs> right things like oh like the 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 radio thing yeah in, in yeah. Portal was was a big one yep um but, but that kind of a thing is, it's so, I, I guess that is I, your point, I, I feel like. It's the kind of thing that is cool, rewards you in a way that is usually like a thing that exists outside the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, and Pokemon's issue in the third generation is that they were trying to give you something within the game. And by doing that, it made me do it. And I would not have engaged with it whatsoever if it wasn't a, a reward within the game.
0: Yeah. Those sort of things are designed to facilitate, like, cultural conversations, not player engagement. Like, no one just did the entirety of the Sombra ARG by themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because like, they liked the challenge. Yeah, they didn't, They didn't like, fucking stumble upon, you know, all these, like, weird hidden audio clips and image files. Right.
3: Uh, and also, like, all the games we brought up as examples are a lot more story-driven than Pokemon is. Like, I think it would be harder to, like, give a satisfying, like, piece of lore as, like, a secret in Pokemon than it would be in other games. Yeah, I agree. It would be a
1: very small subset of people who would be really excited about that kind of a thing. But a huge majority who would be like, who gives a shit?
3: In Diamond and Pearl, in the library there are some books that have, like, just really vague, like... like Creation it, stories. Creation it, stories. It, juicy lore bits. Yeah, and, like, yeah. I am a huge lore guy, and I don't give one fuck about what those books say. You don't like, care that Pokemon used to eat at the same table as humans. Yeah, beings? like, it's so hard, yeah, <laughs> to, like, implement that kind of storytelling in Pokemon. Why, though?
0: I agree with you, but I have no idea why um, that perception seems so clear-cut. Well, at least
3: they... the. I think it's maybe...
0: The... It's beca- I think that the
1: reason is because Pokemon has a set story every generation, and the story is so simplistic and the story is so, pun totally not intended, black and white, uh, that no one ever goes into a Pokemon game and is confronted with, like, a mystery. Like, there's never a part of the game... This plot or world that makes you go like, I wonder like what that guy meant by that. <laughs> Unless it's something just like it, well, basically until Generation Six, okay. like up until the most recent one when they tried to like wet that appetite, just a little bit too late with things that were a little bit
3: too weird.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, it's,
0: it's like there it, are no questions to be answered. Yeah, in the it's world.
3: it's the way that they've. Their approach they've taken to storytelling just does not lend itself to that stuff. It's like a stylistic choice that they made in like telling such a simple story and not having the focus be on the story that just doesn't lend itself to mm. lore.
1: Yeah, the, and, and it's also in the marketing. Like, it, It's a game that's made for young people, so mm-hmm. if they want to try and do something that is vastly different, they have to hide the questions, and there's nowhere left for the answers to be. You end up oh, like the ghost girl in the Elite Four in Gen 6 mm-hmm. has no answer. Because why would it? Because it's just there, and it itself is a secret. and It doesn't have mm-hmm. like, an implication to it. Um, and that's actually where Gen 6 has kind of tried to turn things around, and I'll admit I did not finish Sun. Before this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I just know that it gets a little bit weirder with its storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I mean, I appreciate to some extent, but
3: it's not really the reason that I'm playing.
0: Right. Did you get Sun or Moon?
3: Yeah, I have Moon. I, I'm only, like, maybe halfway through. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, Gen 4. All right. Want to move on to Gen 4? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and while we were talking about story... I actually think that Gen 3 and 4 are the best games ever, made. The (laughs) best games ever. No, are, like, the best attempts at story that the games have ever done. Like, I think past Gens 3 and 4, they tried to go, like, too big, or, like, they had some kind of misguided attempt to try and do a different kind or a better kind of storytelling that just missed the mark. And previous generations had been a little too lacking.
0: I I think
3: 3 and 4 is like a sweet spot that they hit.
0: Weirdly, even though I never played it, I can sort of remember a lot of the storytelling focuses and sort of like the dramatic turns that I've had described to me about what went on in, in the third generation of games. But I don't remember the story of Diamond and Pearl pretty much at all. Yeah. So can so elaborate about why it was so totally awesome? Not because not using as evidence that it wasn't. I just mean I literally don't remember it. Other than I remember thinking Cynthia as a, as the champion was cool. That is my story fact. I think, uh, and I'm
1: not gonna steal Andy's thunder and he can go over the plot, mm-hmm. uh, but it is. I, I want to say I want to call spectacle crap here, but I think that it actually is a good thing in this instance. Yeah. Where, in the first couple of games, you were, like, trying to stop an evil team and then, like, stop people from being mean to Pokemon. <laughs> uh, and then the third game was, like, the fate of the region. Because mm-hmm. they were going to, like, significantly alter the topography of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth gen, they call into, like, question the fabric of reality. <laughs> and I, I think that... Despite that going from, like, benign to crazy to completely ridiculous, Mm -hmm. they did... It allowed them so much more freedom to sort of change things around
3: and actually try and tell the story. Yeah, well, Gen 4 is... Is basically kind of, like, just the same story as Gen 3, but with, like, different legendaries. It's basically... It, uh, Dialga and Palakia are the Pokemon of time and space and the evil team wants to use those powers to like rip apart the fabric of reality <laughs> and just like start a whole new reality.
0: Right, right. right. And I, when I was asking the question, I wasn't trying to prompt specific descriptions of the plot, but why you thought the plot in this game was better in comparison with the others.
3: I just, I think they nailed like the scale. Like, Because I feel like in Gen 5, they tried to go, like, do a more complicated story and it didn't gel well. Yeah. They tried to ask. They tried to
1: ask ethical questions in a game that is designed to skirt ethical
0: questions. And they tried. The ethical questions were asked out of the mouths of essentially Muppets.
1: Yeah, and the people that you associate (laughs) with being an evil team from previous games. It's hard to take their view of morality seriously because in previous games they would be wearing matching t-shirts and ball caps <laughs> and, like, fucking, like, pose at you when you go into battle. Yeah. And just because this is, like, a scientist guy who actually might know what he's talking about it doesn't break that
3: association. Yeah, Gen, I think Gen 3 and 4 just kind of took these games' stories to, like, their logical... Sp- like spot of like you're the hero saving the world, and right. I think that just gels the best with Pokemon.
0: You had the extremely tiny Gen One nitpick of bag Nick limits, and, and I, p- I picked Nick. yeah,
1: this was my starter in Gen One. <laughs> Nick, Nick.
0: <laughs> you went to the like next door house and just, just picked took, like, a guy. A yeah. You threw a Pokeball at a human being. I
1: had a, a Gen One nitpick.
0: Yeah, of the item back limits, <laughs> of how little that you could store. Right. My extremely tiny but continues to annoy me to this day nitpick uh, is in Gen 4, which is I do not like the visual designs of Dialga or Palkia. I don't either. I think it's... They picked themes of time and space yeah. to base their legendaries around, which seems sort of like impossible problems to design around visually, unless you get like very tropey with clocks and shit.
1: Yeah, so you end up with like a dinosaur.
0: Yeah, you yep. end up with cool dinosaurs. Dinosaur and
3: Palkia <laughs> kind of look like dinosaurs mixed with megazords or something (laughs)
0: they're like dinosaurs of the future like if if the dinosaurs were never wiped out and continued to develop intelligence through evolutionary Mm -hmm.
3: means that's what they would be at in the modern day they look like something out of just like a generic anime more than they look like pokemon to me this is like a whole separate topic that i have written
1: down that i want to talk about but i do at least want to say that while I don't think that Diaga and Palki are particularly strong designs, I definitely think that they are better than Reshiram and Zekram from Gen Five and I, I think Reshiram
3: and Zekrom have like the exact same problem.
1: But they personally. sit at like a comfortable second to last place. <laughs> okay. That being said, I love Arceus? Uh, RCS? No the v- the missing fourth legendary that's on the cover of E-train? the one that I have. Oh, 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 Giratina. Yeah, Giratina. Yeah, Giratina's good. I like Giratina's that. Christine. I like Giratina in origin form and in uh, regular giraffe, giraffe form. form. Yeah, it's, it's because
0: the theme that they were going with Was with anti-matter. Cool. Oh, yeah, but that actually has some cool visual <laughs> shit we can do with it, right? You can do, like, the Cthulhu-esque, crazy, matter-is-not-going-well. Right, which is what he was, too, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Dude, Actually, finding Giratina is one of my favorite moments I've had with the series. Because, mm-hmm. like, you play Platinum. Yeah, so I didn't have that. In Diamond and Pearl, it's Turnback Cave is where you find Giratina. Right, yeah. it's, that's, where you it's, get,
1: that's where you get the origin orb. Yeah, it's like the, the, the Lost Woods. Yeah. So. It's like
3: the Lost Woods, essentially. And yeah. you yeah. have to find a specific path through it. But, like, I, I found that on my own without the internet. Like, I didn't know Giratina was a thing, I didn't even know the Pokemon's existence. Right. I just found that little nook went down it found the cave went through it found Kiratina and caught it
1: weirdly that that was my experience with Zygarde in uh, X and Y I didn't know that he existed and then heard his name on like a YouTube video like after Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire had come out and I was like the fuck is Zygarde? And I, like, Googled it, and it was, like, Zygarde is the third legendary Pokemon from X and Y. I was like, what?
0: And so
3: I, like, booted the game back up and went and got it. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't actually know you could catch it in the game.
0: Yeah, you could catch it in,
3: find in the X and Y. It's yeah. a
0: super cool experience. Did that start with Gen 3 or 4, where the third, quote-unquote, cover legendary became catchable outside of events? Like, was uh in third gen, did the Dragon Man that You can catch
3: Rekwaza in the... And Ruby and Sapphire. Okay. You well, didn't need Emerald. The dragon Man. <laughs> they don't, I don't. I I forget. Yeah, no, I was having like a, a difficult time remembering. Like he is a dragon. Like literally, right, yeah. he is a dragon. That's also a cool moment when you find Sky Pillar and yeah. you catch. I like
0: that as a starting thing from third gen that they kept with the series. The way that if they're going to make the third ultra game, that you have a third legendary hidden in the other two games that ends up being more fleshed out in the third. Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of story significance, they did it with both three and four, and Giratina, as we've mentioned before, particularly from a design-wise, and they had the whole level based around him that you went through. Mm -hmm. It's well done. I like him. Although maybe we can, unless you guys have more stuff on four... Start moving to five specifically, so I can argue back and forth with you about the uh, um, Zekrom. I and think there's a lot stuff. more
3: to talk about with Gen Four. I think. Then
0: go on uh, with yeah. it. There is one thing
1: I want to mention uh, in relation to Garantina because I doubt that he'll come up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we because uh, we play different versions of the game. You had Pearl. I had Pearl. Yeah, and I I had, I had Platinum. It was in fact the first Pokemon game that I had bought in like eight years at that point, point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got it, and first of all, on the cover is just like a horrifying, like spider monster, <laughs> like crawling toward. Not really horrifying because it's Pokemon, but right, right, uh, attempting
0: to look as if it was horrifying. If someone drew like a, a, hor- a scary movie monster in the style of Pokemon, it would be Giratina. Right. So that's cool,
1: and I was like pumped about Giratina being a thing. What I wasn't prepared for is how you get Giratina in Platinum. They assume that neither of you have played Platinum. Correct. I had Diamond. Yeah. It involves you going into, like, the antimatter dimension (laughs) and, like, (laughs) walking (laughs) on the walls and shit. It's, like, crazy town. Like, it's not anything that you expect from a Pokemon game. That was the first time they messed with 3D, right? Yeah. Well, sort of, yes. Yeah. Pretend three D. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was just so wild because like I didn't expect it at all, and so I ended <laughs> up that like sold me on the whole experience like by itself. I was like, this is great actually.
0: Yeah. And then I had like a frustrating time throwing ultra balls at a legendary, but yeah, as as we all do. Yeah, every time. There's a weird element of the design that they've mostly kept, with the exception I know of fifth gen. that they? Did they, they just c- hand you your legendary? Yeah. Did they continue the trend after fifth gen when I quit into handing you legendaries?
3: Uh, in, kinda.
1: Yeah. In gen six, they hand you. uh, Well, they don't hand you, but they increase the catch rate of Xerneas and Evolthal. And in Alomegirum and Alpha Sapphire, either Latius or Latios it just, just like
3: shows up. Yeah, they
1: just like want to be pals, and you're like yes, and it's like he entered your party.
3: Oh.
1: Yes. Also, I'm a liar. I because I remember now that I played X because I had that cool deer man. Yeah, certainly, he's a fucking boss. He's got,
3: like he's also meta as fuck. <laughs> Moving on. But anyway, <laughs> Gen Four, Gen four <laughs> had uh, another graphical jump yeah. to like the pseudo 2.5D looking.
0: Art Which is style. I mean, significant when we're tracing the lineage of Pokemon, but if there if it were talking about any other game series, we're in what, like two thousand and six <laughs> or five, we like, we're at two point five D now yes. we would yes. not care even remotely. Nope. It was a new it's new hardware. Yeah. So it was
1: capable of doing that. It's not like Pokemon was sluggishly dragging its feet into the twenty first century. It just got the ability to do it. And to do it on the scale that Gen Four did is actually at least somewhat impressive, given yeah. the fact that it was new
3: for the, the system. I really like in Gen Four that they gave you like an end game island to go to.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, that was really cool, and it had the battle tower. And, but and then I also like because we're talking about Gen Four, we had the remakes of Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And that added a battle frontier, and it added follow sprites.
0: It, it unfortunately didn't
3: add follow sprites. It had, it had follow, follow sprites. sprites. Yeah, and yeah. no one can understand why they've never brought those back. Yeah. It is like I probably like the most requested feature. Yep, and like how were they not at least in black and white? Like they already had all those sprites. Yeah, they didn't like they, they could just put them in the game with no effort. Another weird thing that probably we'll never hear about because of the
0: culture barrier described before. But of all the things for them to throw at the wall, they took the one that (laughs) sticked hardest to that wall and then just like peeled it off peeled it off, (laughs) And then they painted over the spot where (laughs) it landed. (laughs) Well, we can all see the hole. Like, it's visible. And we're like, hey, you should really put something back on that wall there. It's really ugly. Well, interestingly, in Gen 5,
1: nothing happened. But in Gen 6, uh, they introduced the idea of riding Pokemon. You could ride a Rhydon and you could ride a uh, Go Goat around, which would be impossible to do with a follow sprite or a follow model. Oh my
0: god, is Rhydon a pun for a a thing that you ride on?
1: Uh, I'm sure that's part of the name, yeah. It's also a
3: Rhinoceros. Well, that's not where the name came from. I don't think. It
0: looks like a rhinoceros. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean the, the fact ride. that you could ride on it. <laughs> okay. But
3: like I think that's why they picked it as a Pokemon for you to ride on. In, yeah. It's because that's in Excellent. <laughs> um Also never mind. Um but <laughs> those are yeah, like you said, those are two things I think that stuck hardest to the wall for me that have never come back. What was the second? A Battle Frontier. Wait, Battle Frontier's never come back? Yeah, no, we've never no. had a Battle Frontier. We've only had It was in Emerald. Yeah. in Gen 3 and then they've had it in Hard Gold Soul Silver and it's never come back. What? what? Yeah, and like if cuz I think like all the games should have like some kind of end game island equivalent like Gen 4 with a Battle Frontier. Right.
0: which, which game was it that had the Battle Frontier system? where you are essentially like drafting. That's that's third gen. That's the battlefront here. I never played third gen. That's that's oh, the one in, in that's Girl the one in Heart Gold
3: and Soul Silver. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: That, is, for me to get sort of cuz this was in the period of time when, when I got back into the series, too, tempted by like how crazy, mechanical, and meta you could get into the like versus fights and things. Right. I looking back on it to now, it's funny because that was before I cared anything about like magic or anything. But you guys always yelled at me for. He's uh, talking about Magic the Gathering, by the way. He's not a magician. I'm not a magician. Thank you. Uh. Uh, for how much I liked, uh, like the little. What I would call now drafting Pokemon in that one sort of segment. Of I love that one
3: too. I, I actually beat the brain in, in that. Yeah, movie. I've
1: never been less sad about the loss of a feature
3: than with Pokemon with the Battle Frontier. But you
0: guys are liars. There was that subway. There's like a battle subway. Yeah, but that's yeah, just that the, the sub-
3: battle tower. It was just a oh. battle. Tower. Well, yeah. what made it the Battle Frontier is that it had all the other stuff. Right. And the because there
1: was the Battle Maison in uh, the flux in is a, Six. It's amazing. It's French
3: for mention. Yeah, it's just the Battle Mansion. Yeah. Okay. They just take the Battle Tower and they put it in something. Something else. else. They put the word <laughs> like "Battle" subway. in front of a location. Yeah. They've brought that, that back it. in every game. So oh, okay. To Sorry. my knowledge, yeah. but they haven't actually done the Frontier, which seems stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, they know people keep playing these games after they beat them. Right. Like, it only makes sense that they give them more stuff to do. I think
0: from the perspective yeah. of someone who's not willing to do the sort of crazy shit that we did in high school, it would be a little bit sort of discouraging in a way that's not normal for Pokemon design to have a section of the world where, like, some random kid can just beat the living shit out of you, world champion of Pokemon. <laughs> right.
1: Like kindergartner John yeah. can like just drop like a first level Pokemon that just wrecks you because
3: you don't understand what EVs are. Yeah, yeah. I said they don't. I still don't think they stand to lose anything by including that kind of stuff. Right. It's just the, the problem
0: is that in, in situations like that, Pokemon has a habit of no matter what new feature they throw at the wall, they always, even if they don't force you to engage with it, often force you to go through like, the tutorialized section of it. Uh, they like There's a minimum level of engagement that they always sort of force on the player, at least in my experience when you're going through these games and they added those features. And if your minimum level of engagement was, here, come in and play this battle tower, get the shit beaten out of you, and you can leave now. I mean, I mean, they build it in the game as if it
1: is going to be like a significant challenge, but they don't build it in the way that the Elite Four, who, like, if you just spend a little bit of time on victory low, crumple-like wet newspaper, uh, t- t- do. Like, they always are like, the Elite Four, like, the best trainers... They're just the best trainers. Like, yeah.
3: like you're fucked, kid. <laughs> I mean, and it would be, I think, easy to to make a change there, to like set it up as something that you do later and right. don't just waltz into <laughs> and get your ass handed to you.
1: Yeah, and I feel like Pokemon needs to, like, as a series, embrace having, uh, like, EVs just be a thing that you can see and look at because, but
0: haven't they gotten to that point? I thought
1: that was recent. <laughs> the super training in Gen 6 um, yeah. is where they introduced this, and I feel like it was their attempt to get people to engage with EVs without knowing what they were doing, mm-hmm. because you can you can EV train without battling, so you don't have to know all of the Pokemon's EV yields. Yeah. Uh, but no one wants to play the same minigame a hundred times, and not only that, but they give you... A, a, like, a ribbon to pin to your Pokemon for completing all of them, which just fucks up your spread completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like the Battle Tower existing need, like that should be the impetus to introduce that function to the player. No, it isn't necessary to beat the game, but if you want to engage with that, then you need
3: to be aware of it so they could just give it to you when you end the game. Just say, like, look at this other thing you can do. That seems like a good solution. Like, I was trying to think of a way that they could introduce that without it just, like, one, just rocking casual fans' minds that this (laughs) existed the (laughs) whole time and they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Or, like... Having them understand it because it's really hard to explain to somebody. Yeah, right, you wouldn't even have to necessarily contextualize it retroactively. Like, you could just
0: accept that tons of people will just believe that it's a new feature of the game. Right, games. but
3: like, it's still really hard to explain.
0: Very. Yeah. And also,
3: you talking about how
0: no one would want to play a mini game to get all these EVs is pretty hysterical in contrast to the things <laughs> that we actually did for hundreds of hours to get perfect Pokemon teams. Yes, yeah, you
1: need, yeah. It, the, the idea this is
0: a lot of the reason why I hold that
1: the games are getting better. It's just because of the difference in time it takes. To get a fully trained... They've made it trained, a lot easier. Yeah, to get a fully trained team in Gen 4 took me like weeks. Yeah. To get a fully trained team in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire takes me hours. Like three or four of them. It,
0: it, they took a lot of the luck out of it. They took a lot of the grinding. And... Yeah, really that. And that's them responding to the needs when they figured out just how many people were sort of addressing to like the smog and level intricacies yeah, of these it's, games. It's, yeah.
3: It is just really weird that it's a secret feature. Well, I mean, think about how
0: small of a slice of the total Pokemon pie this is. Oh, it's Not very by virtue small. of how small we are, because we're pretty, in terms of people who are just with this now, we're pretty large. They're making design concessions to us now, and they're huge open games. Right, But We're.
3: Wow. What percent of Pokemon fans are people who are aware of what EVs are? Right. Uh, Actually. Like, if you want to, like, but if you want to battle competitively, like, with your friends or whatever, like, they're super important. They are. Yeah. Like, and the game does not, or the games didn't, anyway, hint to their existence at all for many years until like last gen, and they just barely did. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I know a lot of. Uh,
1: people. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who, due to the success of Pokemon Go, have become more interested in the series, right? Yeah. So I know a lot of people who are picking the games up for the first time. And when someone talks to me about Pokemon, 90% of my time playing Pokemon is dealing with this minutia of like, training to the point of like, having exact individualized stats like that is just how i think about the game clearly when talk about it as this podcast has <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> proven and so i was surprised at how many people not only didn't know about it i'm not surprised about the people who haven't played it since the first generation <laughs> but like the people who consider pokemon to be a franchise that they like play every version of who were just completely unaware of Like, that's how well the game hides this incredibly important feature that they cater
0: to in their other aspects. It's not that hard to hide these features considering that no one's making spreadsheets of the differences
3: in Pokemon stats. Yeah, and everyone mashes, look at the stats screen. Yeah, theory? people just mash through that stat screen. Like, I don't read it. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. They so they, 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 me and Fire Emblem, the stat screen. Yes. Right,
0: it's even worse than Fire Emblem because they don't draw attention to the changes when you level. They just show you the new number, right. so you have no basis for comparison when it happens. It's
1: been at least since Gen 4, that whenever you level up, it gives you, like, a, a plus. This plus four, or plus two, or whatever. True. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to, uh... Burst my bubble. Yeah, But, I mean, but people generally... I don't even fucking look at that. Like, yeah. I know my stats are gonna be at level 100, so I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Point. Uh...
3: God fuck. What, what that was Gen uh Gen 5. <laughs> and I it's a close race for me between Gen 5 and 6. Which one's my least favorite? <laughs> uh
1: having now gone back, I'm going to assume the Gens 1 and 2 are my least
2: favorite.
1: Hmm. I think Gen 1 is my least favorite to play. Yeah. Uh Gen 5 is, I think contains the only Pokemon game that I've never finished, uh, which is White 2. Mm. I, I never finished the sequel to, to Pokemon White. Um, I got through, like, the first island part of it and just kind of quit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Gen 5 is generally considered pretty weak.
3: Yeah, like, it, it didn't feel like an improvement on the previous game. Mm-hmm. Cause like up until now, like two was obviously a big step up from one. Three was a big step up from two. Four, big step up from three. And then we got Heart Gold Soul Silver, which was like a super polished, like really well made, <laughs> like iteration of Diamond and Pearl. And then they just made another game with the same engine. Like it's like a, it just seems like they almost rushed that generation out. Right. Because, like, yeah, there was no, like, significant improvements like there had been across all the other generations. And it lacked some of, like, everyone's favorite features from the previous one as well. Like the follow Bra- 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 yeah. Bra- yeah. and the battle here. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, then- there were things about Gen 5 that I remember liking, mm-hmm. but I don't remember there being, like, a significant... Like, Gen 5 struggles to stand out in my mind. Yes, yes, that's what absolutely. I'm about. Yeah, and because of that, I, I I don't have like the fond memories of like discovering something new and cool mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that I do in the previous and future generations. So,
0: and it's quite embarrassing that the generation that struggles to stand out the most is the one where they, had, like, for the first time, we're going to have, like, real narrative focus. Right. And, like, <laughs> e- like, explicitly and oh. not implicitly, like, as existed God. in the second gen.
3: they botched it so hard, too, in my opinion. Yeah, that was... Like, they... Yeah, they brought up that, like, that whole ethical question of, like, whether or not it's okay to, like, Treat Pokemon the way that you do in the games, right? Which sounds like an interesting idea on paper, right? Yeah, they're trying to do Pokemon the line, yeah, but that
0: requires
3: writers, (laughs) yeah, and And, maybe that could work. But like, like we brought up earlier, like their their approach to storytelling, it's just it it's like oil and water, like they just not work in this game. Yeah, there's something about it. It, like there's definitely
1: consideration to be made that like Pokemon's narrative content is rewashed to get to us mm-hmm. because it, it is written and then it's localized for here. And the team does a, a fairly good job, but yeah. like notoriously tends to like overstep, like step their boundaries, uh, when it comes to localize- localizing games. Yeah. Uh, to the point where it's possible that in order to avoid controversy, the plot of Gen 5 got watered down so much that it just became the nonsensical
0: mess that it is. I don't think I that's a good excuse. That. I'm like, not offering it as an excuse. Yeah, like I'm saying every, that is probably a contributing factor. Of course, but like every Japanese game goes through that sort of localization process.
1: And, and some of them were see- lauded for having some of the best stories yeah. in games.
3: yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I actually really like the concept of N as a character. don't like his name. Good concept, though. What's wrong with N? Just Just because it's like uh, Death Note? I agree, Um, (laughs) hell. I do hate Death Note. uh, No, I mean, is that why you don't like it? Because it just feels like it's taken from that? No, I don't like it
0: because I think it's weird that you have a character named one letter in the Pokemon universe.
3: I think it works...
1: As far as I'm concerned, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm aware, he's not trying to, like, be anonymous. Like, he's not using one letter in order to keep his true name a mystery. He The first time you run into him, he explains his whole, like, doctrine of ideals to you. <laughs> Another nice shitty writing moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like, I don't think that he's trying to be, uh, like, a mystery man, like yeah. a looker. The best written character yeah. in Pokemon.
3: Yeah, it's like a weird like. Was he, he was like raised from birth to be like the leader of what is it? Team Plasma? No, no, that's from Gen Six. <laughs> Can we
0: name all the no, it's teams? Team Plasma, is it Team right? Plasma? Because it's
3: Team Galactic in and Gen Diamond 6. And Pearl. Dun
0: dun dun! It's dun, dun. Team.
3: It's Team <laughs> Flare. In X and Y, Team Flare. Yeah, they that all wear even, red.
0: That sounds like R E like or A
1: I R. I don't know. I like <laughs> this, this sounds like the first time I've heard that. To me, like that is how long ago and how little attention I paid
3: yeah. to Team Flare. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna say that it's Plasma. If I'm wrong, leave a me. Plasma is definitely a team. Yeah, I think it's Gen Five, <laughs> and. So, yeah, he's, like, raised from birth to be, like, embody their ideals and, like, really really weird, very, like, anime kind of concept, I yes. think. yep. It Plus was, like, was like, like,
1: green spiky hair. Yeah,
3: I, but, like, I thought that that was, like, something they did different that was actually, like, a neat idea that could have been cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, this could have been And it's, like, a parallel to your own character and, like, to, like, challenge, like, the things that you're doing with your Pokemon. Right. It, I felt like they could have done something really cool with that, but instead they were decided to be super heavy-handed with the evil team. Yeah, and have like Getsis or whatever the leader's name was. I'm like, stunned. I you think it's that. Gestis, but I'm not. Give like Gestis. Give like yeah, dictator-style, <laughs> like sweeping speeches to people in yeah. towns, and it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. We should stop shitting on this piece of I horrible also, writing. Something I do <laughs> like that they did though was they subverted the end of the game where you got to the Elite Four. Oh, the the wall scene was cool. The castle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really sweet idea.
0: God, that actually reminds me of the Skeptical Creep. Only mentioning that... Skeptical Creep, sorry. Did I say Skeptical Creep? Yeah, Yeah. it was funny to me.
1: Skeptical
3: Creep. Spectacles. (laughs) Spectacles. It's when your glasses (laughs) slowly fly off of your
1: face. The
0: funniest visual joke ever recorded on (laughs) podcasts. I
1: was just, I was more thinking I was going to cut that whole segment. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't mind
0: doing a visual (laughs)
3: joke. God. For the next blooper reel.
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, On Spectacle Creep, uh, since you were talking about how much of a surprise that wall sequence was and how like a lot of like the weird cutscenes and things that existed in gen five uh, we haven't talked about yet the like elite four runs as they've existed in each of the game and the development of I, I don't even know if i want to call it the style of the elite four runs but i've always really liked how they've progressed with those i like that they were just like really crazy pretty rooms that you always walk through with, like, this foreboding music. And there's not, like, a l- linear narrative connection, even in the same way with the gyms. It, it, it's, it's hard to describe. Like, it's always very foreboding. And they always tr- it always feels like a very intense moment, something where when you first get there, you never know what's going to happen next. Right. But you know it's going to be fucking crazy.
3: It's because the game, likes subtly builds it up over the course of the game because, like, characters will mention the Elite Four and how awesome they are before you ever get there. I
0: just always really love the diversity, though. Like, I like the fact that, like, there's always this foreboding black box on the hill in all of these games and you have no idea what's inside and it could literally be anything or Mm -hmm. anyone. You could have, like, a crazy psychic... Mystical star room or like a garden. Yeah, I feel like fucking swords. Yeah, I
3: meant to bring it up when we talked about Gen One, but like I feel like it's never been as effective as it was in that game. In Gen One, yeah, like because when you didn't, because now it's just like a part of the games.
0: Yeah,
3: and like Gen One, it was even more of a mystery, and I, I feel like this is kind of overlooked, but like. Back when you first played the original games, you got to the Elite Four. There was this extra layer of challenge because all of the uh, Elite Four members used types that you probably didn't even know existed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because Lorelei had Ice type. Well, Fighting is an exception. Yeah. (laughs) But then Ghost and Dragon, like, Mm. those are all very unexpected types. And, like, I just felt like they handled that especially well in the first generation. They did. The
0: reason why it, I can't... well, The reason why I can't agree with you on that point is because when I was sort of discussing that sort of... I was discussing spectacle. Yes. I was discussing... I was being like a Square Enix person and being like, this is so beautiful! Oh, when I go into the rooms. Square rooms. Yeah. yeah you, right. What is no, yeah But you're correct. that it, Within the terms of the mechanical features... That sort of, like, typing differentials is really cool and worked yeah. well in the context of that game, too. No, I
3: get, yeah. yeah, it's kind of only been a thing in the last couple of games, though, that the rooms are, like, super pretty. Yeah. You can even look at... Uh, like, Gen 6, like, the X and Y Elite 4 looks fucking incredible. Right? <laughs> also really cool that you can go in, you can take it at any Yeah, order. they introduced that in Gen 5. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, if you look at, like, the Smash Brothers games, right?
3: <laughs> right. In the
1: first... Smash Brothers game, your Pokemon-related level was just, like, a city. Saffron city. Yeah. Then, in the next two (laughs) Smash Brothers games, we're just... Yeah, Pokefloats. We're not going to talk about (laughs) Pokefloats. We're, like, just generic battle arenas. But then, in the most recent Smash Brothers game, they made the stage the Elite Four. Like, they gave it all of those visual elements because they're so striking and so memorable. Yeah. I think that's a really... Like palpable example of yep. like how much effort they put into making the Elite Four look new and cool, yeah. which is great because you're probably going to fight them one million times <laughs> yes. in order to <laughs> obtain as much money and experience as you could ever need.
0: Yep. I said I was going to talk about Restroom and Zekrom.
3: Oh yes, uh, please. Also, didn't they have like triple battles in Gen Five? Do we care? Exactly. Like, it just... A lot of, like, Gen 5... Like, why did they... Why did they even do triple battles? They I feel so
1: uninspired. Triple battles are a little bit uninspired. There are variations on battles that I think are genuinely fun, but the implication with them is that because they're new and different, they can't make it, like, a major part of the game. Right. And then you end up... They just become, like, these weird challenge things. They end up, like... like I don't say brawls. Like, what are What are those called? Like in what? What the brawls example is from Overwatch, but uh, oh, mutators. They're like mutators. It's just like a variant on the gameplay that most people won't
0: engage with because they don't care. They came to play the main game. Well, I think that the fact that they chose to make them mutators and not evolutions of the design is pretty damning for how those sort of game modes played out. Like, the reason why double battles aren't constant is because the game wouldn't be as fun if double battles were yeah. constant. And the that double applies- battles
1: are way more common now. Double battles... True. In fact, the primary, the only Nintendo-sanctioned video game competition... VGC is the format is double battles.
0: I, I know, right? But and that includes some of the like to give a better example of what I'm talking about. Do either of you guys remember rotation battles? Oh, hell yeah! Do you, I mean, I remember them. Does that mechanic set seem like something that you would want to be constant? No, that's real bad. No, <laughs> a little, but they put it in the game anyway as a strange mutator. Yeah. I find it odd and it sort of telling about how not particularly great all of these design choices were and that they tested and implemented them
3: enough for them to exist
0: working in the code but then they'd use them like three times yeah right. and
3: then yeah, they had like the weird like pseudo 3D city as well in Gen oh, 5 oh yeah. yeah like there's oh, so many there's... I think. Gen 5 just feels so <laughs> rushed to me I don't think it's rushed. I just think it's uninspired. I think yeah. You are, okay, maybe uninspired is uh, a better word. Because
0: it certainly wasn't non-polished. Like they don't. Right. They, they don't have to rush a Pokemon game ever in this day and age.
3: Right. It just I don't know. Yeah, uninspired is a better word. Uh, What's wrong, Chad. I just don't have anything else to add to that. Oh, but uh, you didn't look like you had nothing else to uh, add. Oh, you said you were going to talk about Reshiram and Zekrom or something. Oh uh, yeah. Do you actually disagree with me that they're garbage?
0: Yes. Uh... <laughs> I actually do disagree that restroom and Se Rome are straight garbage in terms of design, which was what we were talking about in the Diago Palkia thing earlier. Mm. Uh, I don't remember. was there an overriding theme that both of those were supposed to be fitting?
3: I don't know enough God. about uh, I don't remember because like, like Gen
0: five to be able to tell you that. Like it's not like one of them represents like light and darkness or anything like that, right? Oh, it might be Light and Darkness, There's actually. There's
3: something like that. Uh, I, th- I think
1: it is actually Light and Darkness. <laughs> it's the black and white ones. Because they've covered, like,
3: literally everything else. They'll Because, like... But, like, Zekrom is, like, lightning-themed. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. fire-themed. That's the
0: reason I was, ask- I was asking that question, because I think the Legendaries work internal to their own themes, but if they were trying to be mapped onto, like, Light and Darkness, I can see the disconnect there. Right. But, like, I think unlike for example Dialga where he's just like a dinosaur where if you looked at him you would have no idea that he could like warp space around you right if I looked at Zekrom I can see like a literal dynamo for a tail yeah yeah. that is like generating electricity through his body
1: for what it's worth I think Zekrom is a better design than Dresheron yeah um but my issue with them is less with their like internal theming Mm -hmm. because I agree like I mean, like, they're both more indicative of what type they are than, like, Stunfisk is. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's, like, ground electric. And you're like, that's a fish. (laughs) Fuck off, Pokemon. Uh, But my issue with them is that they just don't look like Pokemon to me. They do look like Digimon. They do look a little bit like Digimon. Yeah,
3: I mean, and that's going to vary from person to person. Yeah. But, like, I agree with you on that one. I feel like the way they design legendaries anymore is getting, like, worse and worse. And maybe I'm getting, like, an (laughs) old... Being old and crotchety. But, uh... Yeah, like, they just look... They try and make them, like, more visually distinct from all the others. And they just make them look less like Pokemon, in my opinion.
0: Would you guys agree with me that the most iconic cover legendaries... So to speak, that are designed around like a specific theme, and not sort of like internally crazy, like the Gen One legendaries were. Are the Gen Two legends? I know that's a weird question to ask, but uh, what I mean, what I'm trying to point out is that in Gen One, you had legendaries were a set of birds, Mew and Mewtwo, right. and Mew and Mewtwo are not like designed toward anything.
3: Right. The the legendaries they in Gen One theme of uh that the first games had of, like, gen- like genetics and, like, actual, like, mutations. That's true. Also, what a weird topic for them to focus on oh, in the yeah. first game. Of the series. <laughs> like, but, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, was like, Mew was, like, this rare, only one of them exists and they, like, found its DNA and cloned it. Right. Mm. I actually want to argue that
1: Gen 3 have the best designed legendaries
3: in terms of, uh, I agree with you that I like Gen 2s the best. You don't.
0: Do you. Because if I had to, like, gun to my head, pick a point at which the legendary started to become Digimon, that it would be Gen 3? I would, I would be it would right, not yeah. be all of Gen 3. Right. It would be Rayquaza. Oh, right. Because he looks like he's made out of Mega Blocks. It, he does look like he's made out of <laughs> Mega Blocks, yeah. Like, he's constructed I, from armor. I, I yeah.
3: think that they all have that look. Like, I think Kyogre... No, I mean, no, no, Oh, okay. yeah. Like, they they have that, like, pseudo, like... Check, they, their skin looks like it's, like, robotic plates. Yeah, and yeah. they have, like, uh... Especially if you... Like, circuit... If we're gonna jump super far it. into the future and check out their
1: primal reversions... Yeah. Uh, they, like get the likes yeah, that circuit board look to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really hundred percent sure where it's going where, where it's coming from, but I also think that they're like the perfect representations of land and sea. Oh yeah. yeah.
3: I like the Gen 3 legendaries. But yeah. I do agree, I think it started that trend Yeah. That we see now. Making mm-hmm. them
0: weirdly, like visually noisy in a way that the legendaries and all of the games prior to them weren't.
1: Well I think that it's a let me just let you finish what you're saying about the Gen Two before I get into this because, like, I'm just like running crazy here. You're just a madman. You're a train man. I'm a, just a trained a mind. man. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like, as an example, because I, I couldn't pick Gen One as the things to be like, this is the template from which legendaries are drawn because it's didn't not. Even put them on the box. Right. Yeah. They aren't designed to be emblematic of the rest of the game. You had a subtype where, like, all the sub legendaries are, where they're all like one very tight theme. In this case, the birds trail. with an element. Right. Yeah. And in second gen, it was just, like dogs or cats with an element, stuff like that. But because you couldn't really port over, like, genetic mutation as the legend, as the hyper cover <laughs> legendary theme in all the games, because it wouldn't evoke the sort of differentials of types and the elements that you always want to accent in, like, the box sort of Pokemon games. Right. Uh, they instead went with. Ho-Oh and Lugia. And I think, like, specifically Lugia, if I had to pick, like, a at which like, the kind of thing that it would be possible for them to iterate on that would actually be representative of what Pokemon are, right. I would maybe pick that. But the, I would even do that sort of hesitantly, which shows how hard it is to design legendaries in a Pokemon game. Yeah, the,
1: because legendaries have to be so distinct... Like, you have to be able to look at a Pokemon and guess that it's legendary. Yeah. Um, especially for those, like, the big story-based legendaries. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you could look at Manaphy and assume that it is not a legendary. Agreed. Even if it is. Um, but for those box legendaries, yes. And I will not disagree with you that ho that oh, side no, sorry, Lugia is great. Everybody loves Lugia. He's, like, one of the best ever. <laughs> uh,
0: greatest of all time.
1: Yeah, g- nearly the greatest of all time, Lugia. Uh... But, like, Ho-Oh and Lugia together, I don't think, do a good job of, like, cohesively representing a theme. I agree. Lugia, in fact, has his ties to the first game, whereas Ho-Oh has his ties to the second game. What do you mean? Uh, Lugia is the, like, I don't know what they call them, the... The
0: The lord of the trio? Yeah, the trio boss. The reason ho also sort of gets a pass for being represented so early in the anime as well. Yeah, he's in the first episode episode of the anime, yeah. Yeah. But... god. Like all this whole discussion is making it drawing it further and further into relief how hard it is to make like box art legendaries for a Pokemon. Mm -hmm. This is
1: actually this is the Uh, part where I disagree with both of you the most though, is because I think that the generation six legendaries are some of the most representative and most elegantly designed of the series. I really, right? Yeah.
3: I really like Xerneas, but I think Evil's Hall has like a shitty design.
0: I completely agree. I love
3: the shit. I yeah. you, you fucking hate that Ivoltal. I, I don't. Just, I just. I think it just. It looks too much, just like a Y to me.
1: <laughs> I always actually forgot which one the Y was because I could never remember what a Veltal looked like, but yeah. always remembered that Xerneas, from the, like the, the head up looks like a Y, but it's because of his legs. But. Yeah, but he also does look like a fucking death eagle,
3: which is what he is. Yeah, <laughs> True. I mean he's so. not—he's not horrible. I do agree. Gen six has the best recent legendaries. Okay. Do you just like the Moon Bird? I, I think it has the same problem that Xerneas does. It's just like a big circle. Yeah, you I what, like once I have it looks kind of weird. Like they pushed that theme a little too far. Noisy. Yeah. Um, Noivern. Who's Noiwurn? He's a bat Pokemon. That bad? was a bad joke. Let's move on. He looks
1: kind of like... Uh, Let's
3: move so- on. Galeo. Sorry. Lunala. Anyway.
1: <laughs> and Actually, I like, like Lunala and
3: Sogaleo from what I've seen of them, but I will... Oh, yeah. And the other one... Oh, what was that, that show? Zoids? What the the, the lion looks just like a zoid. The lion, oh the lion legendary, looks the like lion, a zoid. the lion. witch in the wardrobe. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe look like zoids.
0: What is a zoid? <laughs> oh, you're about to learn so many good things. It was
3: on <laughs> Toonami. It was an anime where these like preteen kids, because it's an anime, or like these teenage kids, whatever. Like they would have these giant robots that they would like use in these like competitions fighting, of
0: course. Yeah, like, uh, and all the robots were animals. Yeah. Mm. Motherfucking Zoids, Zoids. Oh
1: fuck, dude! So looks just like a Zoid.
3: Is totally a Zoid. That's a Zoid version <laughs> of uh, yeah. Sweekey. And that's, and that's like what I'm talking about. Like I think from like especially Gen Four, mm-hmm. Five, Gens Four and Five, I think that their Legendary is. I didn't mean to cut off conversation. Yeah, I was showing him more Zoids. <laughs> their, their, their legendaries look more like Zoids than they do Pokemon. Yep, I completely agree. That Zoid is a Pokemon. Yeah, it is. is your yeah, it, it is, is there's a Zoid there's Salamence, a Salamence. And
1: here's the, the
0: Zoid, Suicune. Yep. of
1: Awesomeness. Yeah. Either way. Whatever. Gen 6 improvements? Anything? Anyway. Actually, Gen 6, I think, with the exception of visual improvements, of which it is a huge step up in mm-hmm. comparison, uh...
3: It added character um, customization. Sort of.
1: It added very yeah, small, but like, character customization.
3: I think that's all that Pokemon really needs. Like yeah. change your outfit, change your haircut, change skin color. Yeah. Good to go. Tick, tick,
1: tick. Know, tick. That's a weird one-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. You're like, here's a T-shirt, and well, uh, oh, you um,
3: can't change your skin color on the fly. You can right? it at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: some weird narrative world-building actions <laughs> yeah. in Pokemon.
3: Uh, it's a post-racial society. Now, yeah, there are some things in Gen 6 that I genu- genuinely dislike. I don't like Mega Evolution. Oh, right. I
1: forgot that you're one of those people. Uh, and
3: I, oh, really, I, I think I don't understand the design decision, but Gen 6 was really hand-holdy. And it carried into Gen 7, too, and I'm not happy about it. Or right. Where, like, the story, st- like, stops and interrupts, like, every ten minutes. You run into, like, an NPC that's, like, following you around the world. I think and this gives has you dialogue. a
1: different, like, I, I think this is a different effect on you as opposed to me um, because of the way that we play the games. Because I spend quite a lot of time on routes in between, uh, just, like, catching Pokemon that I haven't seen yet, like, going fishing on all the different spots, surfing to weird things, like, all that kind of shit. Like, I do that on the go, Mm. and so I never... It's usually a pretty significant amount of time for me between story beats. I agree that Gen 7 is getting a little bit out of hand. I think that you end up stopped and talking to an NPC more often than in any previous game.
3: Yeah, and I just don't understand why they
1: just started doing that all of a sudden. It does seem like an odd choice.
3: And um, Gen six also gave you two starter Pokemon and it also gave you a free Mega Lucario. Yeah. I mean, like think no it's like at the actually kinda in the middle of the game. Yeah, like in the middle.
1: Yeah. I mean, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire ended up handing you, like, three starters yep. by just, the time you were finished.
3: And they gave you the experience all, like, really early in the game to make it look way easier to level up. Right.
1: Yeah. I actually like that decision, because when you are, like me, playing for the end game, mm-hmm. you want your initial team to sort of be a no-hassle yeah. situation.
3: It just, I don't like the way that they just give it to you and it's automatically just on. Right. I think if, we sh- if they should give it to you and then be like you can use it if you want I don't what do you what's the downside of the XP as a design decision it just makes the game way easier
0: because you don't have to monotonously switch between
3: yeah like I, I'm playing through sun and Moon right now and I have it on I could turn it off right. but I'm not because it is convenient yeah. so I've played these all these games like and played them for hundreds of hours it I do like the convenience factor yeah on one hand. So I've left it on, and then, like, I haven't touched my starter, <laughs> like, because it just keeps leveling up, and, right. like, I want to try and, like, boost the lower-level ones, and they're slowly catching up, but he just, he's, just like, four levels above everybody else, and he's going to stay that way. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's I wanna, annoying.
0: I want to argue myself out of the suggested position I had when I asked you this initial question, which is, Pokemon is very much... An implied story about a journey between you and the creatures you're training, mm-hmm. and the XP all robs you of part of that story. Yeah, because, because you, don't, you
3: don't switch the Pokemon as much. Right. Yeah. It would be
0: like if in a Fire Emblem game you had it, you were given an XP all option where every time you killed a character with another character, you could make every single character in your whole that you even have, not even necessarily deployed, gain like a set amount of XP instead, and that would be terrible because it would rob you of the story of what you're going through with those people. Or in this case, your Pokemon.
3: hmm mm. yeah. so So I kinda threw out a bunch of stuff. Right. Uh the biggest one being Mega Evolutions, I think. Yeah. And Fairy type. I, I feel oh like, yeah. I, I depending mean? on I don't know if the
1: audience for this podcast is gonna be. Yeah. Um in terms of like their opinions, but I believe that the general opinion on Mega Evolutions is people who battle like on a high level Use one because it's necessary. People who are around our age and like Pokemon f- since the beginning are kind of lukewarm on Mega Evolutions as a thing. Younger fans, this is like their literal favorite thing ever. Because it's just the super great version of the Pokemon that they love.
0: But yeah. it's not the, the super great version of the Pokemon that they love, because every Pokemon doesn't have a Mega Evolution. That's true. Yeah. I really But th- all of the
1: ones that people love do. Like Seizor... Look, look. JJ.
0: I know I know that Caesar had a Mega Evolution. I know it gave him Chainsaw Hands, and I know that I like Chainsaw Hands. Yeah, no,
1: Chainsaw Hands, A+, all around.
0: But... but I actually don't
1: like Mrs. Caesar's design that much. I,
0: I really do want to hear your description of why you like Megas, because I think the less extreme I am with Andy, but only insofar as I don't see why they didn't just make them another evolution tier of the Pokemon.
1: I literally read something on this last night. I'm oh, to Jesus. I'm trying remember what the wording on it is.
0: I'm going to need a citation? Yeah,
1: I'll... MLA, please. I might just dig that up and put it in the notes to, like, make sure that I have the right, like, source here. Yeah. But the thing with Mega Evolution and the reason that it isn't another evolution is because you... It's a temporary thing, so even if you like the design... Of the new thing, the mm-hmm. Mega version. You still have the old one, and th- they gave the Mega Evolutions to very specific Pokemon, basically for the purposes of, like, reigniting your interest in that Pokemon. So, it, it doesn't force you to just say goodbye to your regular Beedrill and have, like, fucking mega badass Beedrill. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reasoning that they gave. Was it was like you got to hold on to your friend, and he could just enter badass mode if you needed him to. They, it's it had to do with the, like Pokemon friendship aspect of it. Yeah,
3: I I feel like I've heard this as like a direct quote, but I'm not a hundred percent. So don't take it as a take it with a grain of salt. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. But I feel like in an interview they were talking about Mega's. And they were talking about it with Mega Charizard, and they were like, well, we wanted to, like, make these Mega Evolutions, but, like, we already really thought the design of Charizard was great, right. and we didn't want to, like, make a new one, so we just made it temporary so that we could keep regular Charizard. Yeah. So it feels kind of like it's a pandering thing. So, the, but, <laughs> but according to the interview, at least for you,
0: the onus was they had a design for, like, another, essentially, Charizard variant, but they understood reasonably that if they put that in the game, they'd be overriding,
3: quite literally, the old design, and they didn't want to do that. Yes. So then... They didn't... Yeah, they wanted to keep Charizard as, like, the final form of that evolution line and not add a new one. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. But the
0: reason that they were doing this in the first place was so that they could throw in cool fucking Charizard X with its blue flame mouth and yeah, all of that. Yeah, it
3: kind of... Th- that, this is the impression that I get. It might just be my opinion creeping in to the way I interpreted it. Because the thing that I was worried about
0: was that if if it was not a, literally them wanting to throw out cool new designs, if it wasn't them showing off the cool things that they could draw and making that be a thing that we enjoy, like you can make Beedrill cool through tons of other mechanical systems that exist in the game already. Well,
1: drill is already cool. <laughs> Uh, so really, Sorry. they just needed Sorry. to improve his stats, which they do with the Mega version.
0: Or just give him moves but then, that are unique.
1: But no, 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 he's, he's, he is statistically, but like, then, trash.
3: See, this is kind of one of my issues with it, <laughs> is when, like, they announced it as a thing, I was like, is this their way of, like, making some of the Gen 1 Pokemon with shittier stats usable? But then could like B drill, but Be, you can now use B drill because he's a mega right. and pincer, and like but like they didn't choose the Pokemon that way. They gave them to all the best Pokemon and then also a couple of shitty ones to make them usable. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, the the mega selection process is
3: strange to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it could seem like they should have heavily given, favors Gen One. Yeah, it seems like they should have given megas. To Pokemon that weren't competitively viable to like boost their stats to make them that way. Yeah. Like Salamence did not need one. No. Like, are, are you kidding mega one. Salamence? Yeah. <laughs> mega pseudo
1: legendaries?
3: Yeah. yeah. Mega Scizor seems like overkill. It you does. Know, like... I mean, viewed from the metagame perspective, but who the fuck would
0: even know that Scizor was, <laughs> at some period of time in 4th gen, like this incredibly important staple to the
3: metagame of Pokemon? Like, I'm sure lots of people know that. Like Mega Gengar, Mega Gyarados, like some of the best Pokemon. Also, they made Mega Gyarados look like a shrimp, so that l- can just get out. I love Mega Gyarados. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Okay, all right, anyway, hold
1: on. <laughs> Are there other specific improvements in Gen Six that we want to discuss?
0: What about Fairy type? Why does Fairy type exist? Also, and, and I don't mean this. I don't think Fairy type is an active badge for it existing. I just, unlike the introduction of Dark and Steel, was Fairy type another like balance tool? They yeah, were. Yeah, it's because it, it's a counter to Dragon types. Yeah. Why weren't why Steels okay for that? Because Steel is a terrible attacking type. It's only good defensively. Couldn't they just change the things that they were... Well, I guess they're tra- you're changing the identity of the type pretty significantly at that point. But yeah,
3: <sighs> uh, I'm trying to remember what else it's good and bad against. What, fairy? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's
1: weak to poison, which was a boost to poison. Yeah. Because people yeah. started packing fairy types to deal with dragon types, so you can then use a poison type to deal with their fairy type. Yeah, so which it is just great seems for like me. it's yeah
3: because muck is the best <laughs> yeah i think muck it's balancing stuff that i think the issues were there but they weren't really clear to like the casual player yeah, yeah. i
1: think it was a it, it's a balancing thing but additionally it was a way for them to expand to create new pokemon because like it's hard to think that like a selection of oh god 16 17 types prior to fairy
2: mm-hmm. something, something like, like
1: that, that. Uh, would be restrictive, but when you're verging on 700 Pokemon, I imagine that you start to like, I don't know how many more fire types I can make. Mm. We've already done. We've already turned a pig into a
0: fire type. I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I disagree that it's actively restrictive without the existence of the type because you can always make more Pokemon themes around things that are their type and other things or make them normals. Like, in the same way that a lot of uh, things are retroactively fairy in the games now, like, the fact that... Yeah, fairy not existing didn't stop fairy from existing. They just called it normal. And you can always make, like... There are a bunch of grass types I'm thinking of that would be totally reasonable to call fairy just Mm -hmm. because of the way that the design is. Celebi, even though it's not a fairy, would reasonably be a thing. That would be, like, fairy design space, quotationally. Right. Like, they still made these things anyway. It was just... I think it was... Very explicitly, like a, a game balance thing, which had the problem of making it a lot less intuitive than the other types. Like to some extent, they sort of lucked out in that when they made dark and steel, they had combinations of weaknesses and uh, strengths that were evocative of the type. Like right. it makes sense what sort of things steel is weak to and not and good against and etc. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, the the relationship with psychic is uh, my. Like actual favorite thing for some reason. Uh, it I is love pretty that, cool that psychic is weak to things that people are afraid of: bugs, dark, and uh, and ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, yeah, it's just so
3: good. Yep. But yeah, they they went with fairy because of the whole dragon thing. I don't I don't get that at all. But Why also, are dragons? I'm, well, it, they, it's not because like fairy or dragons are weak to fairies or or anything. Classic like that. fantasy trope. just like they yeah they were like well we have dragon. And that's not like an elemental type, it's like a fantasy creature, and they just themed it like that.
0: Oh, they just drew it from another pool. Yeah. So we could
3: have Probably not. <laughs> I really want I feel like it would, I feel like they should have gone with something like light type or something that would like. Light type has been like rumored for a long time. I just ago. feel like that, like even though like that doesn't make sense that it's good against dragon, I just feel like that it would have felt like it went better.
1: Yeah, because the, I imagine have dark type. that the opposite of what you were describing is what actually occurs, which is they like put the type type X into a spreadsheet and picked what it needed to be strong and weak against, right. and then it named the type in some way to like reflect that. the re- The problem, of course, is that fairies aren't real things, and therefore you don't know generally how a fairy would interact with like steel because <laughs> fairies and steel is not a thing you can like put together and figure out.
0: Well, not being real isn't the important thing about that is that the tropes related to the type have nothing to do with the rest of the types. Right. There are tons of other like completely arbitrary made up physical properties that make sense like ghosts. I know how ghosts interact with things in Pokemon. It's not because ghosts exist, but right. because I know what ghosts do generally in tropes. Mm-hmm. But the fairy type associations really have nothing to do with that.
1: And you can see kind of the weakness in the theme when you look at like pure fairy types. Like Look at yeah. Sylveon. It's kind of a mess. Like when it comes to... They were like, what, how do we make something a fairy type?
3: And they were like, just make it pink and cover it in yeah. streamers. I it's had, like, and that's not a fairy type, that's like a 12-year-old's yeah. birthday party. I actually think that Sylveon's one of the better-designed fairy types, personally. Yep. Like, I, th- I think that, across the board, fairy types have, like, bad designs. Yeah. And then, there are ones like... Uh, like
1: Yeah, somebody's (laughs) going to yell at me for pronouncing this wrong, Mm -hmm. because this can't be the actual way it's pronounced, but Flabebe? That's the way it's pronounced. (laughs) Yeah. is a fairy type. It's a flower. Yeah, it's a flower. It's It's a grass type. (laughs) Yeah. It's what it is. But it's a fairy type, and that just always, like, wrecks your understanding, especially if you go into these games blind, which I typically do. Yep. It's, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So fairy type, I think, is an improvement in terms of game balance, but not an improvement in terms of... Bad theming.
0: Yeah, it's a weird design idea. Yep. Yeah, and we're reaching the point now, especially now that we're they, they keep retroactively adding types and things like that, yeah. that have these balance implications, that... The more Pokemon that exist, and the more they've got to like scrape the barrel in terms of designs. Not that I think that they're literally scraping the barrel at this point. Just that the, the deeper that they have to go for designs, the less intuitive all the relationships between the Pokemon are going to be. Yeah, and that's I think going
1: to get so esoteric. For any like one who is not familiar with the No Clip history, uh, <laughs> we did record an initial podcast, like the first one ever on Pokemon, and it went badly. Uh, and but yeah, we discussed at that point the idea of like, what was it, Falafel? The singing <laughs> Falafel? falafel yeah. Pokemon. yeah, yeah. Like but... that kind of a thing is the is the
0: metaphorical bottom of the barrel. My thesis in bringing up Falalafu in that episode was that I don't think there is a literal bottom, because what you can always just do is just take two unrelated things and combine them and it'll be fine. In the same way that we can have a fire pig, we could have like, I don't know, water furniture and it would still be something (laughs) that would exist in Pokemon. Yeah. I'm I'm still amazed, actually, at how tightly themed
1: a lot of the Pokemon they come up with are, in terms of like what their inspirations are. Yeah. But Yeah, eventually something stupid is going to happen, and it's going to break everyone's face.
0: And in order to keep it from getting stupid currently, they are sort of starting to get real close to sort of reiterations of various designs. Like, even in the same way that we've always had, like, an electric mouse and... Hold that thought.
1: Because we've been going for, like, a million years. Yeah? And... The next thing I wanted to talk about was going to be Pokemon design. Ooh. So I think we should break again and come back and then talk about Pokemon design.
0: God, this is the Kit Kat of podcasts. Yeah, I
1: know. We have to give you a the break. Kit-cast. I give you.
0: See, the problem was <laughs> the Dark Souls podcast it was
1: accidentally a two-part episode. Yeah. yeah. This is a planned two-part episode, so we're going to break it so that I don't have to listen to, like, three hours of content. That's fine. While editing. What I do have to do in editing, though, is tell you guys thanks for listening to the episode this week. Part 2 is going to be up two weeks from now. And if you want to get a hold of us until then, you can do so at noclippodcast@gmail.com, On Twitter, at NoClipPodcast. Our website, NoClipPodcast.com. On YouTube, it's just NoClip. And, of course, you can listen to us on iTunes if you are not already. Please leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. And everybody else says goodbye, too. I guess, whatever. Oh.
3: Okay, so you feel like you're holding a penis in your hand, <laughs> and you're King 7-Up from it? <laughs> so <hilarious. laughs>